It's just not fair! Here comes this awesome game, and I can't play it because it's in Japanese, and Nintendo doesn't want to let me import! Man! Hey, I got a deal. It's not Japanese anymore. It's Arabic! All you have to do is import it. Wait, Arabic? I should know less of that than I do Japanese. Plus, it's still region locked. It's some Russian, Swahili, and Mandarin now, but none of those help. Wait, New Zealand has announced it for release in a limited printment of 500, but I have to have it in English. <laughs> you have no choice but to go through me, an eBay seller who got one of those original copies. $5,000 plus shipping, and it's all yours. Whew, that was the best possible use of my money there could ever be. Here it comes, podcasting's finest few hours of gaming prizes. Action RPG fans, come on down. Final Fantasy players, come on down. Might and Magic lovers, come on down. And Disgaea fanboys, come on down. You are the first four contestants on the RPG Backtrack. And here are the stars of the RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Mickey. your swords and prepare your spells. Your friends at RP Gamer got a story to tell. Are you ready to hear about your favorite RPGs? Because we'll be going back a few years in history. If you've got a backlog that is really long, we'll tell you what's right to play and what is wrong. We got RP Gamer staff on the mic to talk about these games for most of the night. So pull up a chair, we will give you no flack. You're listening to the RPG Backtrack. And welcome to RPG Backtrack, your favorite show. We talk about role-playing games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. This is episode 137, Just One More Story. I'm your the host. Answer to that is, the answer to that is, <laughs> all right, but this is the last story. Is it really? See, that uh, people have made that promise to me before, Mike. The first day I picked up a copy of Final Fantasy, I was lied to. Okay, so I'm not so sure. I'm your host, Phil Willis. That other voice you hear is the other host, Mr. Well, I must be Mike Minky. I must. You must. You must because you must. And we're going to be talking about the last story tonight. To help us talk about this story, which may or may not be the last story, we have the one, the only, Mr. Alex Fuller. Yeah, I think I'm awake now. Woo! Miss Cassandra Ramos. So far, may very well be the last story. And El Señor Jefe, Mr. Michael Cunningham. 
<laughs> Greetings. It's definitely my last story. Uh, at least I hope it's not. Well. Or do I? I hope you don't. I don't know. That's a double negative. Uh, because this is part of Operation Rainfall. I would hate to think that something bad fell from the sky. But we're going to find out. We're going to talk about last story. So uh, we got a lot to say. So we're going to go right to it. Hold on tight. We'll be right back. return we are this is the main event that's the part of the show where we just pick a game and tear it to pieces not in a bad way in a good way we talk about the characters we talk about the story we talk about the gameplay and then most importantly we tell you whether or not it's worth paying for or pulling out of your backlog tonight's main event is the one the only the final the last story this is a third person action role-playing game with stealth and strategy elements developed by mistwalker published by nintendo north america by exceed games this was released in north america on august 14th 2012 this is a single and multiplayer rpg experience that you can control with your classic controller or the Wii Remote and Nunchuck. Wah! Wah! <laughs> of course, I got to play it before the rest of you. Yeah, I don't get to say that a whole lot because it's very rare that we actually talk about a Wii exclusive RPG. So I got to throw the Nunchuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just an absolute, it's a must must. Yeah, Phil, Alex is correct. When was this released in Europe? Uh, let's see, in Europe on February 24th, 2012. So it looks like they had it about six months before we did. Lucky dog. Yeah. And when we still didn't know if it was coming over or not, I believe. Mm. Well, you know what? We can just end the show right now. I'm looking at the box art. It is a beautiful picture on the front. Nice hand-drawn lady. I like to draw. I can tell you this is well done. It must be a good game. We're done. (laughs) Oh, wait. And we got music by Nab. I can't read. It's a little small. Nabu Urmatsu. Okay. We're done. Awesome. I love that guy. (laughs) Nabu. I mean, I don't know who the hell he is, but it sounds kind of Japanese-y, so a uh, Hiro Nabu Sakuchi game. You know what? You know it's good when they have the cojones to put the name of the creator right there on the front as if that's a selling point. Okay, we're done. Awesome. All right, fine. Let's talk about this story. Who wants to talk about the story? It's not going to be me, because while I own the game, I've not actually put it in my Wii. That's uh, probably for the best. Oh, Michael has volunteered to talk about the story. Go! <laughs> Uh, the story is the one thing that I remember the least about this game, but um, 
I can help um, you along if you'd like. <laughs> oh, yeah, go ahead and start with the story. I can oh. add in little bits and pieces. I remember how it starts and how it ends, but yeah, all I the middle of- stuff. Mm-hmm. I played it a couple of months ago, so... All right, so you start off with a group of mercenaries. Uh, there's the uh, main character, Zale, the leader of the band, and his sort of... Uh, and instead of sort of brother figure, Dagrin, uh, and you have uh, there's Seren, uh, Marania, and Lo- Lol, and Yurik. I, yes, Yurik is the guy who doesn't talk a lot. Yep. And so they're trying to get. They're traveling to Lazulus City on Lazulus Island uh, for a mercenary job. There is a, a noble there, Count Arganin, who's hosting a big party because his uh, niece is engaged, getting engaged. And they're just basically being hired as backup guards. Um, as they're traveling to Lazulus City, they come across a mysterious power, and it latches onto Zale. This power enables him to uh, sort of attract enemies to him, and as he gain and as they attack him, he can gain more power uh, and to launch his various attacks. It also enables him to revive his companions. Eventually, they get to the city. And they spend time in a tavern. Zale walks around the city. He meets a mysterious girl. She claims her name is Lisa. And he, like, walks around with her. Talks to her. They kind of... They hit it off unusually quickly. And uh, the following day, they start working... They go to the palace and start working for the Count. And Zale finds out that that girl he met, Lisa, is actually the uh, Count's daughter, Callista. Who's getting engaged to a sleazeball of a noble named Geral. He's rather, you know, he's kind of upset because he can tell that she's, you know, she definitely doesn't like this guy, but she doesn't, you know, she wants to run away, but she can't. Uh, so they managed to get back with Callista, but Geral accuses Zale and the group of somehow conspir- conspiring with the Garak, and they get locked up in jail. Uh, despite it, having a sort of escape plan with a guy who happened to be in there, a man named Horace, who af- after you rescue him from there, runs a sort of, uh, like, do- like, does upgrades for you. But otherwise, it's just a NPC. Well, NPC he kind of joins the party, but doesn't really do anything while he's in there. Yeah, Regard- yeah, other- yes, other than that. opens doors. That's right. <laughs> and so, but it's it's Dagrin that gets them out by showing them that Zale has the mark of the Outsider. The Outsider. They don't really explain till later, but it's a sort of supernatural being, and with its power, Zale will be able to save the world, perhaps. So the uh, Count want. Uh, it's, so the Count tells Zale that, you know, if he works for him, he can make him a knight and maybe even offer Callista as a wife and, you know, forget about Geral, he's a jerk anyway. Not that the Count's much better, but of course, Zale doesn't know that yet. Despite the fact that the Count's pretty much dripping with, I'm really evil or at least very ambitious. Mm-hmm. So their first task is to try to, to find the uh, Garak, they're trying to basically invade the Garak continent supposedly to stop any future invasions but as they later find out the reason the Garak are invading in the first place is because the land is slowly dying they aren't sure why yet like farmland is slowly disappearing in fact Lazulus Island is one of the few places left that has agrable farmland and a nearby forest is even dying so yeah anyway uh let me try to remember what else happened from there uh I think they basically get to where they do have the the big invasion. Oh, they, yeah, they, yeah, to the Garak continent, right? Yeah, then then Zell sort of does get the offer of becoming a knight, but sort of after the after the invasion, he rejects it because he's sort of disgusted by the right because there's 
Yeah, because there's there's all the soldiers have left for some reason. There's just women and children and the invalid, and he just sees the knights kind of you know being big jerks and you know beating up on them, killing them, raiding them. Despite the fact there's no soldiers, and he just becomes really jaded. And so yeah, later when Count Argonne does offer him knighthood, he rejects. And yeah, even though it's like you have to, you have to reject it. There's no agreeing, you know, saying, "Oh yes, I want to become a knight," despite what big jerks you guys are. Uh, let me think here. Um, I know some around uh, sometime around that point, or a little after, uh, and a point. When did that happen? No, did that happen before or after when? Um, General Astar gets Oh, yes, murdered. that is a little bit before, I think. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that happens a little before. He's a major NPC. Uh, it yeah, takes oh, the yeah, shining to, yeah. Yeah, because the Gurak invade again briefly before, mm-hmm. which then, yeah, which then inspires him to go off and attack. But, yeah, yeah, Astar ends up being killed, and then I think, yeah. Yeah, they blame, Dagrin, yeah, oh, yeah, they blame it on ends Durall. up blaming, yeah, blaming on, on Durall. Yeah, although, of course, Zale is initially suspected and thrown in jail. Yeah. They say check right. Dural, and in fact, Dagrin pinned it on Dural. Although that pretty much gets Dural uh, locked up, and from then he kind of goes crazy because he's just been kind of been beaten around for a while. Yeah. Uh, so let me hear. Yeah. yeah, then you get to Zale's knighting ceremony, and then the Gurak attack again. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah. And then so they end up, um, Count Argon ends up sort of, despite Zale rejecting the knighthood, the, he goes with him into the depths of Zaza's castle to sort of unlock the, the secret. Of the outsider. Yeah. Right, and that's when they find out. Sorry. Yeah, that, that's basically, it is the outsider. Right, because they find out, yeah. yeah, the outsider is basically a magic sentient meteorite from space, and that's the thing that's draining the land. But they also find out it has been split in order to, it was summoned to the world long ago to stop a war. So it could power a cannon, so people would, I guess, you know, stop fighting the war or else they'll fire a, a magical, cannon on you. <laughs> sentient meteorite. Yes. Okay. And oh, yeah, it also makes planets when it's not on a planet sucking away its energy. Yeah. I've it's, never loved that before. I mean, heard that before. <laughs> yeah. It no, just doesn't sound familiar at all. Its main purpose is sort of a world seat, so it basically goes around gathering energy and making then, planets. Then lands somewhere and then sort of creates a world. And then I assume goes off and does the same. Yeah, but if it's on a planet, it'll drain that planet's energy. Whoops. Yep. <laughs> Does it burrow down into the Earth for centuries at a time? It's not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be in space. Okay. Well, meteors yeah. generally are in space. <laughs> but yeah, it, it wants to go back in space, though. It doesn't want to be there draining the land. But it needs to be rejoined first. It was split to try to stop draining the land. One half is with uh, on Lazarus Island, and the other half just happens to be with the Garak. And oh yeah, they have a ca- it, they eventually make their own cannon too, and rather quickly by the looks of it. Well, they make they make their own float, uh, island fortress as well. Yes. Oh yeah, that's right. Lazulis, by the way, is a floating fortress island, which is and pretty they... convenient when you need yeah. it to go somewhere. You know, my whole town's just going to up and take Not off. Not just the whole it. town, the whole island. The city just happens like some. It's like the, you know, it's the major city on there, but it's not just the city. So you don't really explore much of the island aside from the city and some outlying areas. Yeah, this game is actually pretty limited, fairly, in a scope. Instead of, you know, the whole world or even a whole continent, you get an island and part and part of another continent, and maybe another outlying island here and there. Yeah, there's quite a few things done here that, um, even in terms of the story, where it's sort of Sakaguchi going against what he what he initially did with Final Fantasy in some in some areas. Mm-hmm. How so? What do you think specifically? 
there's some things about the characters. I mean, Callista. Callista's sort of an ideal person. Sort of in this case, she's actually unable to do many of the things that the, sort of the old Final Fantasy sort of princess-style protagonist would be able to do in terms of just action. Right. So because of her position, she's actually not really able to do much. <laughs> yeah, unlike, you know, say Final Fantasy VI, where Edgar just decides he's going to up and leave his kingdom and do whatever, you know, she actually has a realistic yeah, you know, kind of setting and place within And her. she also knows, like, you know, the uh, the noble life is actually pretty, you know, darn dark and twisted. That's mm-hmm. one reason why she doesn't want Zale to get involved with her, because she doesn't want him pulled into the, uh, you know, the intrigue of and you know, po- of politics and noble life. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure of that. Of course, being that Zale then tries even harder to get involved. Yeah, <laughs> that just gets him more in trouble. It's a much more personal story, that's for sure. Because, yes, that's for know, sure. Dealing, dealing with the same group, kind of in and out throughout the whole game, just helps you kind of build up and get a little bit better feeling for exactly how they interact and the relationships that they have and that they already have. Not you know, ones that you have to watch. Like Zell and Callista, you kind of watch that build, but some of the other relationships between the characters are already in place and already kind of, you know, fundamental within the group. I like that aspect of it. Right, you get some real sense of camaraderie between these guys. It's just, it's, you know, you just love watching them interact with each other, being best friends. Yeah, and, you know, having relationships, Mm -hmm. you know. So that is, yeah, it's definitely one of the big pluses is the cast. I really, really, I liked the cast quite a bit in the last story. That was the one thing that really stood out to me was just how tightly knit everything became, and it just kept growing throughout the game. And the little quirky interactions that they had throughout town, and um, you know, back when you're at the the little tavern or whatever. You know, all the interactions that kind of go on there and things that you can stumble upon and things that they kind of <laughs> uh, do in the background that, you know, maybe you're not supposed to stumble upon but do, and it's kind of humorous <laughs> when you do. They also have a lot of, like, uh, they talk a lot while they're walking or during battle. It's somewhat like uh, Tales' of skits, but they're a lot more spon- they're more spontaneous. Like, they'll happen randomly, and you might want to just stop where you're walking through and just listen to them banter. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's stuff that Western RPGs do a lot, but not something that you see in the Japanese stuff really at all, except for, you know, skits, like you mentioned in Tales. Mm-hmm. And it really helps. I think it just adds a, a, know, lot. a direct bit of personality in there. Now, Nintendo of Europe's localization was quite good, or so I hear. Very good. It's really good voice acting as well. No complaints with the script, for sure. Yeah, yeah he'll find the voice actors on. Well, most of them aren't actually voice actors that often they're all sort of from British TV series and theatre they're quite experienced in that way there are a couple of ones you might have heard because I know Callista is Lieutenant Trainer in Mass Effect 3 oh so that's and, one thing I hadn't looked in yeah and Zangarak who's sort of one of, he's one of the Garak players that's uh, Male Hawk from Dragon Age 2 interesting I, I think, that, I think they're really the only two actual voice actors that you'll have heard elsewhere. Everyone else just is a basic TV actor. Apparently, Callista, Callista is also a free marcher noble inquisitor female from Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah, I think quite a few of them have actually done sort of background voices now. but <laughs> Yeah, kind of an initial start. Yeah, and that, that's the one thing, and I'm not sure if we want to really jump into this yet or not, but 
you know, it was localized by Nintendo of Europe. They're the ones that kind of brought everything together for the initial English localization. And, you know, much like Xenoblade before it, we were afraid it was going to get stuck. Well, Alex, you weren't afraid because you were playing it already. I was fine. But, you know, it After came so many out. years of Atlas, that was a good <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You're finally getting the, the upper hand Nintendo on us, that's for sure. But it seems like, you know, we were sitting and waiting. I think Xseed announced it for localization to North America, you know, within a month after the Japanese release, sometime within that. Nope, looks like we lost him for a second. Uh, Mr. Hmm. Cunningham is on a hotel internet connection. You know how those things can go. Oh, there he <laughs> yeah. is. We lost you mid-sentence there, Mr. Cunningham. Oh, sorry. Uh, Blame the hotel. Yeah, I'll have to. I've cut out everything else, so hopefully it'll stay well. But, yeah, I had a... Yeah, I think you're saying they announced it two days before the European release. Yeah, if if it wasn't within two days, it was really darn close, because I remember talking with them, trying to coordinate um, just a bit of interview that we were doing with them at the time, and... I was like, y'all really are cutting it close. People are going to import this one just like they did Xenoblades. You better announce it soon. <laughs> um, but it was it was great. And I'm, you know, I'm not sure if we want to really talk about the Operation Rainfall stuff here or not. I know Phil kind of alluded to it to start with. Um, let's let's wait until we get through with the game itself before we yeah. do that. All right. Do we finish off the story bit? Uh, let me just, I guess, finish off the end. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think we've got the main twist at the end. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, we got. So you find out what the, uh, the you find out the outsider is. You find out the Garak have one. Uh, uh, Count Argonin gets killed trying to take the power of the of the outsider. So Zale oh, yeah, then goes that, after. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. violation of the "don't touch the wig, Chloe" thing rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, I guess you know, big, e- I guess, e- kind of mostly evil Count. Ambitious guys don't listen. Never. Re- regardless, they go after Zangarak, who is the uh, king of the Garak and has been leading this whole time, and also has the power of the Garak's outsider. They go after him. They manage to like, they'll manage to kill him in a uh, no. It it starts off as a one on one fight. Then later, the team, yeah. the rest of the characters join in to help defeat him once anyway, and for all. Yeah, yeah. They, then yes, he, they then he rips his like arm off and dies for some reason. Yeah, because his right arm has to crawl away and is going to somehow bring him back to life. Except, except it gets stabbed by, except it gets stopped by Dagrin, who, by the way, has been pulling this sort of point in, in the background the whole time. He's the one who uh, killed, who killed uh, General Astar, and he's uh, like all that time he's been trying to. Uh, it was a sort of twofold plan he was trying to do. One, he was trying to get, he was hoping to get the power of the Outsider for himself. So he could get revenge on General Astar because he believes he's the one who ordered, who ordered the attack on uh, his uh, hometown. Although it turns out it was just the knights under his rule who did it for kicks. Although Astar, General Astar kind of feels sorry because you know he should have been he should have been able to stop prevent that. And also Dagrin was hoping to help his uh, mercenary friends you know get a leg up in the world. So he's uh, so after that he still wants to take the power of the outsider, hoping to change the world, but they want to stop him because. He could possibly, you know, they need to bring the outsider back together again. So they have to eventually fight Dagrin in a really long battle, especially if you're on New Game Plus. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's three parts, and at least on New, I can't remember my first time, but the first time through. But on New Game Plus, it took me over an hour to take him down. And in fact, one of the characters, Yurik, gets a uh, power up to his special, you know, his special attack, his spirit art, I believe it's called. 
that shatters his barrier and does massive damage to him. Eventually, they defeat Dagrin, and Dagrin, you know, tearfully says, and you know, tearfully says his goodbye, but not before his. Oh, that's right, forgot. Lowell died before that, in a sort of heroic sacrifice, taking a weapon for Seren, the girl he's had, he's been in love with that whole time, though partially de- kind of denied. May I add that hit, that Seren and Lowell have a more interesting relationship than Zale and Callista, but that's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's good at showing that Zell and Clifton like each other it's not very good at showing why yeah exactly <laughs> meanwhile you get more of the background between Lowell and Seren and the sort of back and forth they don't get along but they sort of slowly do and of course Lowell dies trying to, you know, trying to protect her but anyways Dagrin's spirit resurrects Lowell so he's fine they get out and despite the fact that you defeat the last boss there's still a few things to do uh, you have to you have you know what what happened? like you just have to do a few things before you see the final epilogue. They have an impromptu Zale and Calista have an impromptu wedding. They go to Dagrin's graveyard and uh, grave, and they uh, also re- they also uh, see the outsider go back into space, and it ends there. Yeah, the way the game split is it's split into those of chapters. <laughs> oh yeah, lots of chapters. Each of which yeah, each of which is basically about half an hour long. <laughs> yeah, or less. On average, now, I just a little more. I read this review from some fellow called Alex Fuller that seemed to say there were 40 chapters. Does that sound right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Although, a, few, a few of them are optional. But... Yeah, which is weird because they're numbered. It's not like, you know, it's it's not like it's chapter 15A or something after chapter 15. It's like 16, despite being a side chapter, is considered a numbered chapter. And you can unintentionally do them out of order, which is always funny. It doesn't really matter too much on that order. but yeah. No, because they're side, they're side stories, but they, it's a little funny. They are funny. unconnected, but yeah. Maybe it's the attempt to bring new math back. Maybe. You kind of mentioned in in the wrap-up there, the last section, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of the twist about Dagrin having pulled the strings and been the, you know, kind of... The instigator, yeah. Yeah, the sneaky background force behind the whole thing. What did you all think about that twist? Because I've got my opinion. I just want to know what you all, kind of how you liked it or didn't like it or appreciated it or not. Uh, in my case, I saw it coming because he's been—he was acting suspicious like partway through the game, or being really insistent on Zale becoming a knight, despite he was saying, you know, maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be. But at the—but it's you know, after, you know, after all the reveals came to light, I actually found it like a rather interesting twist. This was—it's like not twist, but development. Like he's mm-hmm. a protagonist, Dagrin, but he's not a hero. He's almost—he's sort of like a fallen protagonist of sorts. Yeah. Because like he, what he wanted to do was a good intention, but he was going about it all the wrong way for sure, and yeah, he could have led to the world destruction that way. Yeah, nice roundabout way to get revenge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's one where if you're paying attention, it's quite easy to see. Mm-hmm. But the game does a good job of actually sort of distracting you from it towards the end. Because I think for the last five chapters, I sort of completely forgot that Dagon. Yeah, wasn't, he he just wasn't kind of anywhere off. wasn't anywhere <laughs> at all in the game. Yeah, yeah. like. Wait, like after a while, remember, like, oh yeah, he know? exists. Like, oh, that's where you've been. Oh, and now you reveal your true colors. Like, oh, that's yeah. what you're up to. See, that's what I was wondering. Is I went into the whole end of the game thinking that you know it was too obvious. I was like, it's got to be a red herring. There's no way he's going to turn out to be like the big bad guy because that's exactly what the game was telegraphing. It was straight on. You know, he yeah. was behind this. And I was like, no, they're going to pull some twist, and then he'll come out, and it turns out he wasn't, which kind of, you know, eh, kind of true, because he does kind of redeem himself, but the way it plays out right there at the end still kind of makes him the, the big bad guy, and I just, I didn't like the way it 
played out. I liked his reasoning and I liked the things that he actually did, but just the actual act of betrayal and turning against him and having to fight him and everything just seemed kind of forced to me. Yeah, it was pretty, you know, it was telegraphed pretty early. Oh, yeah. But again, he's a, he is, they, like, they do make him likable up on, at least, again, yeah, likable up until you start wondering what's up with him. And you start suspecting there's more, a lot more to him than meets the eye. And you think, okay, yeah, he's behind all this, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think the bit comes when he sort of fames Jabal is when sort of it starts going. Yeah, just like, wait a minute, you're willing to go that far? Although I think the faming Jabal was something that was actually forced upon him and wasn't part of his plan. I think. Oh no, just, well, yeah, that's yeah. That's it was too because Zayl managed to get himself <laughs> stuck in a bad place yet again. Well, yeah, that part. It's just that was sort of the unraveling of his plan there, or at least uh, leads to suspicion. So I guess that was intended, but you know, still. <laughs> Overall, I take it both of you really are big fans. You went back and played it on New Game Plus. Do you you enjoy the story more or the game play itself more? Mm, I enjoyed the characters most, if I can take that. Yeah, yeah, I count that in. I mean, I guess that's like this plot itself is like incredibly predictable Mm -hmm. for the large part. Although it's a it's a pretty interesting, like it's a fairly interesting world and it's sort of limited view on Lazarus Island and these characters. Right. But it's those characters that you just abs- I just absolutely adore them. Yeah. Their interaction, just the banter, inside jokes. That's fair. Yeah, the, yeah, the characters sort of make the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed I, the I, gameplay quite a bit, but yeah, it's the characters that mostly made it for me. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's also the advantage that it's not an overly long game as well. Oh, yeah, it's like 30 hours tops. I probably spent a little much long- longer than most people as I tend to, but even then it was like 35 maybe. Yeah, twenty five thirty is sort of about the ballpark for how long it's gonna to take to get to, so I mean that that helps when you're sort of doing considering game plus, new mm-hmm. game plus and stuff. Good. Um that's what I was most curious about is what you all liked about it and different things because um I had a really good impression of the game going into it. I thought the the very first part of the game for the first four or five hours is just fantastic. The way it starts building the characters up, the way the battle system comes into play, and the way everything just kind of smooths together. But it just, it seemed like it hit a plateau early on, and it never really shot up from there. It just kind of leveled out and uh, just kind of stayed stationary for me. And, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise. I did, you know, choose this game as my I Should Have Loved You feature that Sam did a while back. And um, there was so much I enjoyed about it, especially getting to. You know, I got to try it out ahead of time. We were doing impressions at the Run to the Sun event, and we got to play a, a good chunk of the game. and got to play a lot of multiplayer and test that out, and it, it really gave a good impression. It, it just seemed fresh and original, and it just seemed to kind of plateau and never increase, at least at least to me. And maybe I was just now, not Mac, getting it. I was yes. asked by Sam to prod you with regard to Exceed Last Story multiplayer session. Does this bring any memory? (laughs) Yes, it does. Um, They had it set up to where um, they had we were were at Exceed for the Run to the Sun event. We were doing a preview of the games they had coming out. It was like a week before the last story was released. So they were going full on into everything and we were testing out uh, the multiplayer modes. And we were able to go um, at it's been a few years since this happened, so I'm going on memory from like three years ago. But they put us each in like separate rooms. They have a media room where they had a you know two Wii systems set up that they do testing on, and then they had their little um, 
kind of a conference room where they had a system set up. So the three of us were playing and fighting each other and doing battle. And it was like a cover-based multiplayer RPG. It was really, that was a blast. It was fun to go in there and, you know, tear into each other and compete. Um, It didn't seem that balanced. It seemed like you could easily um, gain the upper hand with certain characters over others, and some were not as um, effective in multiplayer. But it was a blast. I think for the most part that it was me and Sam and Adrian that were playing against each other. And I mean, it, it was really, really fun. And I was sad I never got a chance to try it out. Um, well, outside of just a couple sessions, once the game hit retail, I just never got a chance to try it out or play online after that. Did you all play the multiplayer at all with the retail release? Never did. And I, no, I did. I actually... Yeah, I think I specifically mucked around with it just for the purpose of the review. And it was... I think it was a good, it was good side stuff. It wasn't really anything that was going to last, yeah, too too long. Yeah, and that's kind of the the whole point with this is I thought the whole idea that having multiplayer was novel, but I didn't see myself ever taking the time to go through playing it outside of that one setup session that they had for us because it, it was fun, you know, to do. But multiplayer modes and RPGs that are separate from the single player modes just never really seemed to draw my attention. Lots of them have it, and it always seems like a waste, and I think it was here, too, despite mm. the fact it was enjoyable and frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure you can't play that anymore since the Wii and the DS is, you know, Nintendo Wi-Fi connection thing is no longer ava- no longer up. Yeah, that's a shame that those are gone and that everything's mm. tied to that. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually check when I played it last week, so... <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how they did that, but chances are you're right. Um, but... Yeah, I probably wasn't going to go back and do that anyways. Still, it would have been nice to at least have a better mode to get in there and try that. It would have been cool if there had been co-op where you could actually have multiple people controlling your party members in the story campaign. They could just jump Mm -hmm. in and help you out. That would have been fun. That, yeah, would have been pretty neat. uh, Not sure if y'all are done Mm -hmm. with story stuff and want to talk a little bit about the gameplay, but the gameplay itself is another area that kind of I found very frustrating because of the potential it had. Well, now, do you all feel like you've gone into enough detail about all the characters involved? Anybody want to say anything? Uh, Before yeah. we go on the gameplay? No, I think so. Anything else we would just be saying that Serena and Noel are clearly the best characters. Yes, they are. <laughs> yes. Serena especially. Yes, she's my oh, yeah, favorite. She, yeah, she's my favorite too. She's, you know... Uh, she's a drinker, kind of lo- kind of loud, somewhat foul mouth, but she's you know she's got a good heart. She's very determined, and she's just and she's all you know she, everything everything she's in it just makes it either really cool or really funny, especially when she's bouncing off of law. <laughs> or when you walk in on her in you know the bath or something oh, yeah. like that, you know she didn't like that. Oh, that's actually that's a fun yeah fun one there. Also, you can go around behind the building and you can sort of overhear them talking if you mm-hmm. prefer. The guys get one, too, so equalization between the sexes. Yeah, they're fair, and they they talk about different things and comparisons for (laughs) male and female both. Yes. (laughs) Well, you feel like you've investigated all that well enough, then, yeah, let's talk about the gameplay. Okay. Yeah, the gameplay. Yeah. The gameplay more. Gameplay. Yeah, that's the biggest thing that I really had the best impression on going into it, because... Early, early on, you start off and, you know, you're controlling Zale. But at the same time, you can make commands to the rest of the party, the AI and the rest of the party's 
pretty well developed, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so creative because it is, it's you know, third person action RPG doesn't really give it a good enough description. Just calling it that, you know, when I think third person action RPG, I think Kingdom Hearts, where you're going around, you're pressing X to correspond to every action that your weapon takes. And that's not how it's set up here. It's kind of a hybrid between something like, you know, Xenoblade or Final Fantasy XII, where, you know, characters are roaming around on the screen and have actions, but you, you know, you make the choice of who they attack, what they attack. You can kind of pause things and um, draw your little attack circle in. Uh, You know, I remember one of the first things that you do is you can go into this cave and destroy part of the ceiling to have it collapse down on some enemies. You can go through, you can jump off the walls and kind of attack them and things like that. It was just really creative. Uh, I really enjoyed that. What about you all? Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I mean, the way it's set up is there's no actual random encounters. Everything is... Yeah. All the encounters yeah, are sort of designed, so there's our, there are environmental things there that, you, that, you sort of, that the game sort of expects you to use. Mm-hmm. There's sorts of points you can actually sort of sneak up on enemies try and draw yeah. a couple away and things like that so so yeah you can also sneak past them if you don't want to alert them all you're not strong enough you're just not in the mood to uh, there are summon circles if you feel like grinding so you can try to go up a few levels until those become kind of pointless mm-hmm. or for drops yep. yeah and and that was the thing is I felt like you know the cover system was fun because you could go and you could hide you could go in you know actually have some kind of strategic elements to what you were doing mm-hmm. um but I didn't like the fact I never really felt like I had good control over the rest of my characters, except for the moment when, um, I, I don't even remember what it's referred to as directly, but uh, when you get enough points to where you can go through and set different attacks and spells for each of your characters. Uh, I can't remember exactly right. what Yeah, that. I can't remember the exact name either, but yeah, basically after a certain point you can command them to like cast a certain or... spell or... Yeah. yeah, cast a certain spell or use a certain technique. Mm-hmm. And actually, the spells are especially important for Zale because he has a, he has a skill called Gale. And if you they once a, once a, one of your allies uh, you like sets down a spell, it leaves this magic circle, and Zale can use Gale to dispel that for various different effects. Well, yeah, well, Cer- I think it's, well, yeah, while the circle's there, it does the effect, but it's only within the circle. Well, yeah, it's within the circle, so it's not. But you know, if any, if all your party is or mostly nearby, they'll feel they'll, they'll get that. Yeah, so you typically then, want to cast that wherever your party's nearby or wherever the enemies are, depending. Yeah, yeah you can also yeah, dispel the... enemy like enemy magic circles if there's like a healing spell or something that you don't want your you know you don't want healing your opponents. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, most of the offensive skills will just basically put the sort of that elemental tribute on the weapon of whoever's standing there. But if you mm-hmm. dispel it, you'll often get sort of different effects so Mirania's sort of forest spell if you dispel that then it will just cast silence on everything on all the enemies nearby I think uh, you, I think you do it on Yurik's fire spell it sort of casts an armor break yes and, so it's... and on Callista's uh, one of her on, like, uh, on one of her spells it'll also cast like a like a um, shield on everybody to have or possibly more like take less damage uh, there's a like you can also like just a healing circle cast by Mirania or some. Yeah, Melania and Callista both have the healing spell. I think mm-hmm. Callista's shield one only affects Zale, and it's a sort of the special ability. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah, after a certain level, everyone gains a special extra ability, which they can do if they're yeah, the, spirit uh, meters. Spirit art, yes. Maxed, yeah. 
Yeah, I just didn't feel like you could use those enough. No, I suppose you couldn't. Yeah, that was the biggest thing is I wanted more control. I wanted to be able to do all of these things at any point in time that I wanted to, you know. I didn't want to have to wait, and I've never really been a fan of elemental systems. And I felt like it, there were a lot of instances where you kind of forced to um, go down that one elemental cycle. You hadn't, you didn't have as much flexibility with the system as I would have liked. Yeah, I think that's sort of the issue. The, boss, the bosses aren't so much a devising your own plan to defeat it. It is figuring out. Yeah, what they're what, what they're the giving cor- is what the correct the correct way of defeating it, rather than rather than devising it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, like, but do you need so, to silence this thing, or is there a certain spell that they're weak to, or oh, like there's like one or like a couple of bosses where there's like something in the area itself that you have to make drop on it to either defeat it or to weaken it. Yeah, like, they all like, felt like tricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're almost expected to fail for a bit before you figure out, like, okay, so this is what I'm supposed to do, and then mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's not that I didn't enjoy that aspect of it, because, you know, I enjoy a creative boss battle like that, but I felt like a lot of them, there was only that one way to do things. There was no way to, you know, brute force or come up with your own strategy or to get any kind of variation mm-hmm. other than what the developer wanted you to do specifically for that battle, which, you know, like I say, but it, yeah, they are. But they are kind of they are fun, even if it's just that one way to do it. Like early on, right. there's this boss that you have to have Zale use a slash on so that it uh, kind of pivots around the room and eventually gets stuck onto the wall, so you can have a chance to attack it. I think mm-hmm. it's the same monster that Marania thought looked like a muffin, which I'm still utterly <laughs> baffled by. <laughs> like, how is that thing a muffin? Oh, Marania is a big eater type character. She's mostly stoic, except she really likes food. Well. Of course. <laughs> but, yeah, so, but, again, they are fun, even if it's just like, oh, so this is the, it's kind of gimmicky, but still fun. Mm-hmm. I, Which... I never expected you to remind me of Steel Princess with this description, but doing things in the exact right way the developers intended does remind me of that game. Yeah, that happens with a lot of, uh, I found that in a lot of the more creative Japanese games, is they they want to take a risk and do something new, but I think maybe they're afraid of making it to where, you know, you can do anything and confusing people. You know, maybe that's just something that they're just not used to, and therefore, you know, they've got to try to fine tune it and say, okay, you know, just like classic Zelda, you're going to beat this boss by dropping a bomb and eating it. You know, they got to do that with the same things for all the different battles, too. But, you know, regardless, I still, you know, this battle system had such potential because. I loved having so many characters to control. Was up to six in your party at one time you can have? Am I correct in that? Or am I... I think, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's six. It's, it's, it's entirely dependent on how many the plot gives you. Yeah. Risk, I, yeah. It, I right. it, the, the max is generally six. Yeah, I think it's usually Possibly. three or four, but yeah, it can be up to yeah. six. Be seven. I can't remember if Daglin's ever in the group with everyone else at the same time. Or, but... <laughs> And they're yeah. never all on. They're never all in the battlefield at once. Sometimes you'll have like, uh, right, like NPCs join you for a temporary amount of time. Yeah. yeah, that's one of my favorite things in RPGs is when you have a large party and everybody's active, and you know they kind of juggle it around with who's in the party at what time. And um, I remember one part in the game where you're fighting a boss and you have to hold it off for so long with a couple characters until. Um, I can't remember who it was. I think maybe Serene and Lowell come in 
and you know jump down from above and join ah, the party. Right, and that, save yeah, you. I remember that one. Yeah, that's one of the battles I clearly, you know, still remember to this time. I just love that kind of stuff in games. I just wish the battle system had been a little more flexible. Mm-hmm. So, what did you use for the controller? I used the classic controller. Yeah, I did that as well. <laughs> I, I used the Wii Remote and Nunchuck. I didn't like the classic controller setup for whatever reason, so I stuck with the Nunchuck. I think that was from where I had gotten I'd gotten used to it uh, doing the multiplayer session we had and just thought it was fun so I was like yeah I'll stick with this I might have enjoyed it more with the classic controller but the controls themselves weren't what bothered me hmm. and just a note about new game plus as long as we're on here the uh, like the regular enemies are about like the same level as you counter through the first game uh, you can yeah. still keep your levels your character's levels and your equipment or and any items you have in, on you yeah. but all the bosses are boosted to at least your level and in fact some Will be higher than the max of ninety nine. It's well, yeah. After about halfway through, they're all yeah. After halfway through, of that. course. So you're, okay. you're basically at the stage where if you're not guiding or sort of prepared for what's going to happen, you're going to get one shotted. Yeah, <laughs> new game pluses can be kind of pretty brutal, especially later on. Oddly enough, the hardest boss I had was uh, a, like this sort of dragon-looking thing called Mitra that kept kicking yeah. me repeatedly and kept knocking uh, me down. <laughs> Stupid thing. That's, yeah, oh, that's sort of one way you've got to what you've got guard on that one. You've got to watch what it's doing, because it does give you a signal it's about to attack. That's sort of the hint oh. to mm-hmm. the hint to guard. <laughs> the, advantage, the advantage I did have in the New Game Plus was I had the sword that Dagon drops at the very end, which has the HP regain whenever you whack things. So basically, I was, getting, I was getting about 3,000 health every time I did a normal attack on something. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. That's not what you one-shot is, but it helps when I was guarding. <laughs> Any other benefits to the new game plus? Any new story segments? Any new anything? No, that's all the same. It's just it's just sort of for the challenge of the boss. Yeah, it's just for the challenge. Like I mostly had fun because like they they were hard. Like most of the bosses were harder, but I didn't think they were unfair except for Mitra. (laughs) Yeah, I think that that one's just a pain in general. Even (laughs) the last boss and its stupid hour long fight didn't feel as unfair. I was down to the wire on that fight too. Wow. Like, everybody kept dying. Marania was almost out. Like, Marania's uh, spirit art can restore one um, life to everybody. This game is kind of strange in which, like, everybody has a certain amount of lives. After they lose all their HP, they get knocked down, but they come back after a couple... Like, if they come back after uh, Zale revives them, he can also auto-revive after several seconds. But once that's all, once all their lives are gone, they're completely knocked down. If Zale loses all his lives, it's game over, of course. But yep. I was down to like Morani was almost down, and I finally managed to beat the stupid thing. Seren like got knocked out like maybe five minutes after she got brought back. I was, Callisto oh, was Seren, almost Seren, down. Seren is just doomed in that final boss fight. Yeah, she, I mean she's <laughs> she actually like she's really strong, but she's a glass cannon. So yeah, well I think the fact is that she's a melee fighter, so she's always going to be in trouble for the new game plus stuff when. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, that was quite a fun. Again, I had I still had fun with that. Like more fun than Mitra, which just annoyed me because I kept I re- I think I restarted that fight five times before I finally beat the stupid thing. Oh wow! At least with Dagren, while I while it was long, I it was I only beat him like I only had to I didn't have to restart. I wouldn't have wanted to because wow, that would have been annoying. Forty five yeah. minutes in and I lost or something. The speech of the first or second? Huh? The speech of the first or second? I'm talking about the new game plus. See, it didn't give me that much trouble on. Uh, I didn't think it was pretty. I didn't think the game at all was really hard. No. Fun, but no, not that, hard. 
No, there's Mitra's the one, the guardian of one of the things, but there's another fight with oh, uh, the same yeah. enemy. I can't remember if it was the first or second one, because I know I had trouble with one of them, which was the second one. I think it might have been the other one. Yeah, I, I think can't I, remember. I had trouble with that one just because the area was so much bigger and I couldn't quite get across to the... <laughs> Yeah, that so, well, that so. one that doesn't seem as hard, especially since like partway through the fight, you can some like Calista can summon Mitra to clip the thing's wings, and then you can continue hounding on it from there. Actually, no, no, no. The second one was easy because I managed to figure out how to counter the counter one of the spells that mm-hmm. it threw at me, and that made that basically did the silence thing that happened on the other one. <laughs> right, right. So that was a bit easier once again once you figured out that you could do that. <laughs> Okay. I think Michael dropped for a second there. So, uh, hmm, anything, anything else before I reveal to our audience the price and I ask you that final faithful question? Well, let's do a few Music things. Maybe a little. Let's go a little. I mean, no boom. Oh, no, we got graphics. We got sound. What yeah. else? Music. Definitely music. music. Talk hmm. about the music because it's. I mean, after all, it's music by Naboo. Umi, Sami, Kamas. Oh, wait a minute. I blew up the image. Music by. No, it still sounds as bad. Nobuo Umatsu. All right. Well, this is a really pretty picture. You know, I really think you guys are selling the shame sh- this game short. You really should just judge it based on this picture because it's really nice. Boss uh, art is gorgeous. All right. So, so uh, okay. Nobuo Umatsu. Yeah, music. I- I've-, I've heard of this guy before. How does he do this time out? Uh, the intro music is to die for. The title screen, mm-hmm. I could sit and listen to the music on the title screen forever. And I did before the game came out because that was the music that kind of played if you went to the website for the game. You could just sit and listen to that piece over and over. It's just kind of got a flowing... Um, I don't know, is it even violin? I don't know. Yeah, it's a string instrument. It's probably a violin yeah. or something. And it's just so gorgeous. Love it, love it, love it. I wish I could say I remembered a whole lot of the rest of the soundtrack. I remember enjoying it, but not as many standing out as much as that one did. I can and remember I the like boss it. battle music uh, fair like a uh, quite a bit. Uh, you mm-hmm. fight Jeral after he gets possessed. Yeah, that, that's one of my favorite tracks. Yeah, that's that Invitation to Madness. It's really good. Um, there's one of the another boss fight that's uh, it fights one of those creepy Garak twins. I can't. And also, the, the music I thought against uh, Zangarak was pretty decent. Oh, and the uh, final boss music against Dagrin, that was awesome. Especially since it's like yeah. this big sort of boss battle remix of Dagrin's theme music. Yeah, I think that's the one ruling everything, I think that's cool. Yes, the but... one ruling, or the one ruling all, however you want to translate that. And also, that title screen music gets an, like a, an, inst- an instrumental, a, a vocal version at the end. And it's okay, sort of... Yeah. Yeah, it was Tobu, when I... Yeah, to <laughs> Those Who Can Fly, I think it translates to or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so, and it, that sort that song has some minor importance in the story, as Callista remembers it being a lullaby her mother sang her, and it's also a song that led them to revealing the secret about the outsider and such. Everything else, um, there's a, the uh, there's an arena that has a pretty pretty decent theme as you go through it. Uh, I, was, I was more amused by the commentary than on the arena. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Especially like like one of the post battle ones, the uh, announcer gets attacked by a monster or something, and you just kind of hear it as you're fighting. Just like what's going on? In there? Actually, that, was, that was one of what the, I think the arena was one of the amu- amusing parts because I think the second group you end up fighting with Asus Knights in the last battle, 
and sort of you go expect it to be a challenge, but no, that they they all they all fall over for you. Right. Ah, right, that one. <laughs> oh, and there's uh, also you, you get to rebattle a uh, like a, a sort like a uh, Garak captain oh, that yeah, controls sort, monsters. Yeah, it's sort of one of the first boss <laughs> boss fights, and he sort of returns to the game and say, "I could not remember who he is." Yeah, yeah, just as like Except a ha ha. Until get he gets revenge. chomped. Yeah, until he gets chomped by a monster, then. then just, oh, him! Because <laughs> he got sat on by his like pet turtle dragon thing. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I thought the soundtrack's pretty good. It's not his best, but it's still got plenty of. Yeah, it's got pretty good. It's got plenty going for it. I think it's one where he didn't actually do most of the arrangement for most of the tracks. So he did. All, he, he wrote all the tracks, but not so much the, involved in the arrangements and performances. So hmm. yeah, there, there is some diff. It it does sound like him for the most part, but it's still it's slightly different to what you're going to hear in Final Fantasy soundtracks. Yeah, and as far as the visuals and stuff goes, you know, it is a Wii game, so it does come with that, you know, caveat, but it looked gorgeous. I love the character designs, the world designs, just everything about it, I thought, worked wonderfully. Xenoblade and Last Story are just beautiful. Yeah, yeah this one does seem to have a bit more of an issue in terms of frame rate than Xenoblade yeah, did. It's, so. it's notice- yeah, it's, notice- it's not terribly, but it's noticeable. Another odd thing was that sometimes you get these... Uh, like the characters are there's like stills, uh, they get they see their portraits and they talk and they just look so awkward when you see those talking portrait stills. What? Or some minor scenes, bad. huh? Yeah, I, well, that they're a lot better than the sort of standard non-moving ones, at least. I think <laughs> I prefer they not move because it just I don't know they just they kind of rock back and forth so slowly it's it's awkward. I find I found I would uh, rather they just uh, kind of stood perfectly still. Oh, I didn't notice. I thought they were fine. Yeah. And as far as anything else goes, like you said, the visuals on that not as good as Xenoblade, but still for you know, given the caveat for a Wii game, I can't complain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's yeah. Okay. If you yeah, so when I sort of played it last couple of weeks, sort of jumping back from PS4 into it, it was quite jarring. But after yeah. a couple, after a couple of hours, just getting back into use of it, it's, the visuals start to impress quite easily again. So, oh yeah. Yeah, the Wii is a yeah, lot easier to go back design. to than, say, the PS1. Well, that's a given. Well, that, that depends on how big the screen is, I found. <laughs> True. Play some so of those on PS4 games really nice on Vita. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, then pity me. I've played some PS1 games on a... Well, it's still a an old fat CRT TV, but it was a big screen. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> now you know why almost anything looks pretty to me lately. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you know this this uh, this uh, this game doesn't quite uh, command the reselling value that Xenoblade Chronicles does. Like, you can actually no, pick it's this... still available. It's still available <laughs> on Amazon, in fact, for uh, thirty dollars for the normal version. But of course, our listeners demand the best. Our demanders, our demanders. <laughs> we have demanders. Yeah, yeah. They, our listeners want the collector's edition that comes with the art book and it is a very pretty art book i have it. and a very nice box i have it in front of me very beautiful did you, box yeah. it's very cool how it opens box. up and stuff too because it opens up like a book yeah i'm not gonna brag about mine because i got mine as a gift from um when we went on the uh, press event where we met with xc uh, they gave us copies of the limited edition 
And one of those copies was signed by Hironobu Sakaguchi. And we kind of did a draw to see who would win it out of the four of us that were there. And I did not win. So so you stole it from the guy who won? Is that why you're not proud? No. Did you beat him up, up in a dark corner? No, he ended up giving it to me later. For some reason, Manny was like, uh, here, you can have this after all. <laughs> I was uh-huh. like, Okay. Uh, so let's see here. So the collector's uh, edition is showing, let's see, on Amazon, there's a guy selling it for $79. On eBay, uh, there's a buy it now for 50 Oh, Canada International Post plus 20 bucks. Ouch. So that's up to 75 bucks. Uh, yeah, totally worth it. You, you gotta go out and buy the collector. I mean, just because of the box art. Just forget about the game and everything they just said, guys. Just buy the box art. <laughs> I wonder. Does anyone the, get the steelbook one? Or do you no, just this, just this sort of cardboard. It's still very nice. Or well, I'm not sure what this is, but yeah, it's definitely not steelbook. Uh, uh, yeah, we got, uh, I think, a different steelbook, <laughs> which I will link to Phil so he can he can judge it. It's got to be pretty. As I recall, it wasn't. It was a collector's edition, but this was. I think this was like the first print run. Uh, okay, you got right, this. Yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't quite like a collector's edition. You still pay the same price, but you got the base game. Uh, at the time, this was Xseed's best-selling game, as I recall. I don't know if that's still the case, but... Hmm. Let's take a look. Do, 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 do. I mean, that's pretty neat. Oh, yeah, that's pretty nifty. Hey, did... I didn't get that. How come I didn't get that? <laughs> that's not fair. In the own country. What blood-sucking <laughs> Brits. All right, so... So is it worth is it worth thirty dollars? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Ah, okay. If you've got yeah, a Wii or absolutely. Wii U, pick it up. So project yeah, have... project rainfall success. <laughs> oh yeah, that's one thing we wanted to talk about. Yeah, but project Operation rainfall. rainfall, Operation Doohickey. Operation Rainfall um, may not have been the sole reason these games came over, but they it definitely didn't hurt anything. Um, you know, companies like Exceed Games would... What is Operation Rainfall? Operation Rainfall is a grassroots movement, fan movement, that was started by a group of people that wanted to see Xenoblade Chronicles, The Last Story, and Pandora's Tower localized for North America. Um, over time, Nintendo of Europe announced that they were going to be bringing these games out in an English market... And then North America just kind of sat on their butt and did nothing and made no statement about these whatsoever. Um, Operation Rainfall kind of mobilized a bunch of folks. They got their own website going, which is still going to this day. They actually, you know, still do game coverage and everything. It's great. Um, But they, you know, did some mobilization, got people together, do fan letters to write, you know, campaigns to petition Nintendo. At one point in time... There was a listing for Xenoblade on Amazon that you could pre-order, even though Amazon wasn't going to, you know, eventually didn't even cover it. And people got that pre-order up to, you know, like the number one pre-order on Amazon in gaming completely. I mean, it was up there in the top two or three for the longest time. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, they did a lot to show there was desire for this game. But when you look at a lot of the stuff that went on in the background and in talking with Exceed 2 um, these games were Operation Rainfall definitely helped 
but it wasn't the sole reason they made it over. You know, Nintendo of Europe did a lot of stuff um, to to make this happen on their own because they saw, you know, that the market was ready for them and that they would make good games. As far as Nintendo of America goes, they just seemed content to sit on their butt for whatever reason. They really did. And they were being overly cautious, be, I think. Yeah, and they still do that to this day. Yeah. Uh, but Xenoblade Chronicles, you know, eventually made it over. And it seemed like they were willing to take that risk, but had no desire to touch Pandora's Tower or the last story. So eventually, you know, even with a trademark issued for it, it was Exceed Games that was the company that actually handled the publishing. Mm-hmm. As far as localization went, you know, the entire localization was done in Europe. Exceed Games didn't really touch any of that content whatsoever, didn't make any changes to it. They were just the publisher of record along with Nintendo, because Nintendo had to have their name on it. Um, You know, they were kind of the publisher of record that did the distribution, did the marketing, did PR, and just kind of took the financial risk of saying, hey, we're willing to put our, you know, put our money where its mouth is, and Nintendo, if you give us the rights to do this, we will make it happen. Very similar to how, uh, like, the Dragon Quest games that Nintendo published in North America were actually Square Enix properties, but Nintendo was the company that, you know, kind of put their money out there to do marketing and PR and stuff and handle the distribution. So that's kind of what XC did, and they, uh, you know, they're to be commended for stepping forward and making that happen because I really think, you know, Nintendo liked the idea, but XSEED had an in. You know, they um, they knew the president of XSEED at the time, uh, Junior Iwazaki, had um, connections with Hironobu Sakaguchi from when they had worked at Square together. You know, they, they had connections on the Japanese side, and they kind of pulled strings in the background to make it happen, apparently. So it was more like, you know, we can take care of this, we can make this happen, we can, we'll do a good job, and whatever strings they pulled worked, and it was great to kind of see these things happen, so. Mm-hmm. And again, and that's best Operation selling Rainfall. At the time. Vive la revolution! Yay! And we got good games. Well, except for that one. We don't talk about that one. Hmm. That one? <laughs> that one. Which one is that one? That one. The one that's not so awesome. That one, yeah. Uh-oh. Accidentally closed the browser window. That one. Okay. So... You mean Pandora's Tower? Because okay, you know what? about that uh... one, Alex likes that one, too. Okay. No. I haven't played it yet. It's decent. It's not... Yeah. It's got pretty box art. Well, that's it's all it right. takes for you, isn't it, Phil? <laughs> all righty. Well, we're going to take a teeny-weeny, tiny-weeny break, and we'll be right back. Welcome your return. This is the Blast from the Recent Past segment where we take a game or a couple of games from about two years ago and we give you just a 
quick overview to tell you whether you should go back and buy them if you pass them up, or once again, pull them out of your backlog or whatnot. Today's game that we have chosen is Fire Emblem Awakening, developed by Intelligent Systems and Nintendo, published by the same. This was released on the Nintendo 3DS in North America on February the 4th, 2013. This is a single and multiplayer tactical RPG experience. Because I know that's what everybody wants to do with Fire Emblem, play it with other people. It was kind of indirect, though. Hey, we'll hey, street passing. hey, have you taken your turn yet? Come on, I'm waiting. <laughs> so, okay, 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 okay. I, I know it's street pass, but it, you know what? Back in the day, when I was like y'all's age, okay, and we were playing the Gold Box Dungeon Dragons, which were turn-based, you know, RPG ordeals, very similar to Fire Emblem in structure. Um, back, in, back when you were our age. Back, back, <laughs> how, old, how old are you? Playing? Back, back, way back in the day. When how we, old are you, Grandpa? We would play games <laughs> off of uh, five and a quarter floppy disks. And, uh, and yeah, what we would do is because it took so long to load a game and we could never afford more than one computer, we would split the team up between the two of us and we'd pass the joystick back and forth. Those things used Atari joysticks. They were awesome. But we pass that back and forth, and uh, and that's how we played our turn-based RPGs. You really got into your character, but you had to wait like 10 minutes between turns. Got a little so boring. So you, you played with your brother this way? No, that was my uh, best friend who lived a block away. Maybe one day he'll go back and listen to all these RPG backtracks and find this show where I mentioned him. Hmm. <laughs> Anyways, but this isn't about Dungeons & Dragons. This is about Fire Emblem Awakening, a very beautiful game. Very gorgeous. I mean, the first thing you notice when you turn this thing on is just the the beautiful animation there at the beginning. No feet, though. Very mm-hmm. pretty. Yes, there is <laughs> no a feet. slight problem with the characters not seeming to have any feet. They, I'm surprised they don't fall over more often. You <laughs> know, I swear I'm the only person on the internet who doesn't care about the fact they lacked feet, I swear. Oh, I didn't even I notice actually... it until somebody pointed out to me. I've watched the beginning a hundred times, and now I'm going to be looking for it. Thanks, Minky. It's going to be like the people with no faces. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I, I, that, was that one you couldn't help but notice. They were staring at you with their blank stares. Their faces just, oh, damn, Mike, why'd you have to go there? Damn you, Minky. Uh, uh, okay, I, I have just ruined Phil's sleep for the next couple of nights. Mission damn, accomplished. I gotta go upstairs and get more vodka. Thanks a it's lot, really Minky. It's really easy to ignore, don't worry. <laughs> I only notice it because people keep bringing it up. They have no feet. They have no feet. Oh, wow. The the new Fire Emblem coming out is going to have characters with feet. I don't care. Yeah, it isn't like they're missing their faces, which Minky reminded me about. (laughs) Have you guys seen the screenshots? If you've not played that game. Phil Phil apparently cannot forget the Grand Stream saga, even though he never played it. It was hideous. We're doing a backtrack. You know, I'm just, backtrack is a way for me to relax. I, I, I get to talk about some of my old games. I get to listen to you guys talk about games I've passed up. And, and, and one of them, one of them's like talking about their faces. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? This is the most, what, what y- y'all sound silly. So somebody links me an image. I will never get it out of my mind. It is burned into my skull. <laughs> it, it, it's just creepy as hell. People need to have faces. I don't care. In the Atari, they at least have little dots for eyes. They just they just need to have something there, a placeholder, something. And these things were blank. It was creepy. <sighs> okay, okay, quickly. Just talk, talk about Fire Emblem. Please, get it out of my mind. Fire Emblem's pretty awesome. Yep, it saved the series, too, this particular entry. Sold yeah, but- uh, over a million copies worldwide. Is the, the story so. that Intelligent Systems threw everything it had into this entry because it wasn't sure whether it would, it would be allowed to make another? Yeah, so they wanted to try like throw in like bits of everything from the past series, 
you had the uh, marriage and second generation systems from the fourth series. You had the Avatar and casual mode from uh, the remake of like it, the, 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 the remake of, one of three. Of, or... Yeah, the remake of three uh, support conversations, of course, and those were revamped. Made a little the, bit more convenient. The ability to go at your own pace if you yeah. choose. And there's also also a world map, just like Sacred Stones. And I believe also Gaiden had that, too, as I recall. Of course yeah, that I, I couldn't tell you for sure, because I would have to play that with an emulator. And <laughs> NES RPGs are kind of hard to go back to with emulators right now for me. Yeah, there was a mysterious character that looked a lot like Marf, though, of course, you found out who it really was later on. Uh, it took place well, in the, the same Well, the original world. name was even Marth of this well, character. Well, yes, for this character. The, it's the, 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 like, the setting is the original world where Marf's games take place in, and all sorts of fun Easter eggs. You could recruit past characters as Ein Harrier. They had no personalities. They didn't say anything, and their models looked hideous, but you could recruit them if you wanted to. <laughs> and uh, loads of deal, and actually a lot of DLC, which was quite a bit of it that I actually found interesting, and I bought um, three which packs, I, as I recall. I did not purchase because I got this game early. I got to do the review for our site on this, mm-hmm. and yeah, that, and I like to think that this was one of the the perks of working for RP Gamer. Every now and again, you get to play something really, really good before everybody else. Way too often, you get to play something really, really bad. <laughs> But awakening. Don't contact. remind me of Squid's Odyssey. Not right now. <laughs> or that that thing from Idea Factory. We don't need to go back there. I won't. I won't say a word. <laughs> Please, not an arborist word. You didn't say anything. I did. I heard nothing. <laughs> uh, you know what? This game has an awesome soundtrack. Best in the series, in my opinion. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, really good cast of characters, although like in true Fire Emblem fashion, if you want to flesh them out, check their support conversations. Yeah, and a really and good, just, really good localization. Like like eight. And this one undid the old the old limits to support conversations. Oh now yeah, you, you can only get one. We've fallen in love and are married now. Conversation, but otherwise you can just fill it out. And this is, I remember trying to fill out somebody's support log from the first Fire Emblem we got in English. That took a long time. <laughs> Yeah, I still yeah. didn't bother doing that. And Path of Radiance is even is not so much worse because those are good conversations, but they didn't have a log for you, so it's just like if I can't even see rewatch them, what's the point of watching them all for the first time? <laughs> I could just watch them on YouTube. <laughs> but Awakening, no, you could do like a good deal of them for a first playthrough. You'll probably want to do at least a, a couple if you yeah for the S supports. Also, they have slightly different ones for the male and the female avatar. Some completely different, depending on the character. Yeah, I, I have actually played it through a second time, which is incredibly rare for things I've played in recent years. And I played it with a male avatar the second time, and yeah, it, it makes a difference. Yeah, there's a reason this was our game of the year a couple years mm-hmm. back because it's awesome. Yep. Cool. Yeah, having awesome. having the casual option removes so much stress, and having gone through a whole ton of stress with every other Fire Emblem I've played, I didn't necessarily miss it this time out. It's useful if you want to fill out that support log 100% for sure. I'm a guy who does like... I, I, I like uh, classic mode. I, to me, you know, it adds more to the challenge. It feels more like Fire Emblem. But, okay. you know, if I okay. just want to Did, unlock more support conversations... Does it really add more to the challenge, Cassandra? Or does it simply pad out the playing time because you hit reset button every time somebody dies? <laughs> because you're there's more a difference. Careful. There's you're a difference. More... There's a difference between challenge, and this is what drives me crazy about Fire Emblem. I swear, I I really, really try Fire Emblem because I love my tactical RPGs. 
but when I put 30 minutes into a board and the guy who supposedly his armor goes forward and then a guy comes out of the fog and whacks him and hits critical, at, you know, by that 1% chance and he's dead. Should we mention that there's no fog of war in Awakening? What? No, no, fog, no fog of war? Oh, praise and the high can, heavens. There are units can, that will run in on the same turn and attack you, so you have to be careful of places where they might run in, like a stairway or what have you. Hmm. Um, only, you on, can... uh, only on hard, like on, uh, is it normal? No, it's hard and above, which is hard and um, lunatic. It's hard, lunatic, and lunatic plus. But you can what is... get rid of, you can turn off permadeath, Phil. Yes, you, you can't turn it off. Yeah, 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 and I, I know. Yeah. I was just kind of. It's great. I, and I'm not going to take that away it. from you. I love the fact that this has casual because so many other people finally picked up a Fire Emblem game. They're just like, it's no longer draconic. I understand. You find it draconic. This, well, you know, it's, a, it's one thing. Like, I love strategy, tactical RPGs where I'm rewarded for thinking, you know, turns ahead and planning appropriately. And I could go through a few of them, but I don't want to be here all night. But but what frustrates me about Fire Emblem is there are certain – some of the Fire Emblem games, there's either boards where you can't see where they're coming from. So there's no way to really plan ahead but to move cautiously. And then there's, a, then there's that RNG figure, right? Because it only takes a hit or two to kill some of the characters. All you need is for one guy to come out of the blue, hit his critical chance, and next thing you know, oh, he's dead. And there was no way to predict that unless you had already played the board before to know that he was going to come out of that shadow. Or in some cases, you took the chance. I guess it's your fault if you took the chance and he hit this 1% chance that he was going to do double damage. I, I guess you could triple. say that was – or triple, he yeah. triple damage. I, I, guess, I guess you could say that was – Poor manage, uh, you know, uh, strategy management, I suppose. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's just that's what kind of gets me on some of the games. I like being rewarded, or you know, yeah. Mm. And, and then there, yeah. Anyways, I, I don't want to go on a rant, but yes, you're, you're to your point. There is that. There is the fact that they've given you that option, which is mm-hmm. which is which is what's really really awesome about this particular game. Options, people. Options. Options. Mm-hmm. Options. People can play the game they want to play it. You can never ever boohoo options if it's got a hard mode you can say it's too hard or if it was just like the original fire emblem people like me could say maybe that i don't even call that hard i call it cheating uh whatever you can call it whatever the hell you want if they had you mean the first english fire emblem the original fire emblem you're going back to any on the family com oh i'm yeah i'm talking about the game boy advance one that i've been trying to beat for like the last (laughs) year uh that's just called fire emblem i forget which one that is in the series proper seven it's the seventh one it's reka no ken is the japanese title unofficially it's blazing sword it Echoed my ass. Okay, that's what it does <laughs> on board 18. It just rapes me over. Anyway, uh, it, had they just made the game much easier without permadeath or anything else, and that was all that was there, then long-term you know, series fans would have boohooed it. And I'm one of those people that likes the status quo. So it's really great. They give you mm-hmm. options. You can't argue with that. Yep. Play on any difficulty. Play classic or, or casual. Although I kind of find the uh, difficulties were a little mislabeled. Although maybe that's because I'm a long-time fan of the series. Normal felt like easy. Hard felt like normal. Although uh, Lunatic is actually apt, and Lunatic Plus is an unbalanced nightmare. It's like like they're missing an actual proper hard mode. (laughs) But that's just me. And due to the structure of allowing you to take your time if you want to go fight Risen over and over again, and there's this amazing ability where if you have the patience, you can just keep resetting your character's classes and then there's and no try, level limit anymore. Yeah, you, you can. Just... You, yeah, try different. Uh, you can change them to different classes, so you can get a bunch of different skills and make and them they overpowered. Keep the stat ups. If you like that. Yeah, 
If you prefer I mean, to play classically, you can, you know, just, you know, don't, you know, don't uh, reset their levels and play them as the way in another one, or you can make them overpowered and, you know, beat things to a pulp if you'd like. Or you can just recruit Donnell and just destroy everything. Donnell? Donald? Uh, oh, Donald. Supposed... <laughs> yeah, like I call Donnell. him Donnell. Okay. Yeah, he calls himself Donnie. He, he, one... <laughs> he's Donnie. Yeah, it's, uh, he's, yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> But he's that's his like actually if you find out his like his maximum stats are a little lower than um, some of the other like some of the other characters as I recall and of course he's no match for the uh, for the second generation children of course second generation characters because there's a weird time like it's a sort of time travel alternate universe thing going on so you get to so you get to eventually recruit the characters children from the future who have a little it's Hmm? just like the fourth game in the the mother stays the same but the father can change and vastly influences the skills that the kid will have. Yes, and oh, they also change their hair color. If That's you true. like that sort of thing. Yeah. Except kind for of... Lucina, hers is always blue, although, well, yeah. Well, that's because her father is always set, I think. Yeah, of course. It's the mother that changes on that one. And I, I just as a side note, I like playing as a female character. I like the female avatar, Marion Crom. It just adds to the story, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They have some of the best interaction scenes mm-hmm. where they both walk in on each other, like, <laughs> you know, un- in states of undress. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah, but there's, like, some nice additions, like when Lucina is first revealed to be Krom's daughter from the future, the Avatar is there going, but you're my daughter, and, you know, they have that embrace. Uh, there's a sort of subtext later on, and, of course, there's, uh, well, I guess it's sort of a spoiler, so stay away from that. Yeah, we've already kind of spoiled things by saying who Lucina is. I think if you go to the official site, they pretty much... And, and of course, Smash Brothers also reveals who she is, so, eh. Yeah. And and I apologize, I had to step away uh, for a second to uh, get some uh, medicine to to deal with some of my high blood pressure that I have lately. (laughs) Um, uh, Did did we talk about the uh, graphics and how pretty they are? I think you did. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we mentioned the feet thing. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you know, even if you go back and play the old ones, I've always been, I've always liked the very cute, like, 2D anime when they get into battle, the little animation that they have. It's not uh, quite as detailed as, uh, what's the game I'm thinking of? Shining Force. Um, Too bad. Uh, But, uh, but it is really, really cute and stuff. But on here, yeah, it's, it's 3D. It's pretty when they get into fights and they show you the cutscenes and they're fighting. Really pretty. Mm Mm-hmm. And animation's better than Path of Radiance, which I guess is not too surprising, and yet kind of is. Path of Radiance is the GameCube one. Mm-hmm. Not as good as Radiant Dawn, but that's a Wii game, so... Well, uh, so, uh, so definitely it sounds like it's worth it, right? Yes. We think it's a must-buy, right? Absolutely. Yes. And I just, if... I just talked to our editorialist, uh, Trent, I just talked him into picking it up because he'd been afraid of the permadeath and Fire Emblem for a while and had just completely kept awakening off his radar and but talked him into casual. that now he's in love. Yep, just but told casual. him about that. He picked, he picked it up and is in love with the game now. So, awesome. I've done my part. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. My only complaint is that, like, the maps feel a little less detailed than past games. It kind of feels like there's less in the way of strategy and more of just wide open spaces, but it's a minor complaint. I, it's probably because of, you know... The first game on the, on the 3DS, so there's probably a couple of quirks and such. Yeah, but otherwise and it's hope, fantastic. And hopefully we will get the next one on 3DS. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I, we I are. I mean, it was it was shown in in a direct. We are getting it. We just don't know when. Yeah, it's pretty much guaranteed because they showed it globally for 
Okay. All right. Sorry. We also don't have a subtitle in English yet. I don't know. Fire, fire Emblem If. It may or may not keep that. Who knows? Yeah. I, I just I just become a pessimist with some of these things. For good reason with video game releases sometimes. I guess. Especially but... with Nintendo. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's so there's some other stuff Nintendo could have brought us on the 3DS recently, which it hasn't, and um, I'm I'm not over that. Mm-hmm. You, you can probably guess what one of those is, can't you, Mac? I can. Could even talk about that here in a minute if you have news. We we might actually. Yeah, we, yeah, we can talk. We can talk. Uh, you know, on the final lap, which comes up right after this musical selection, which comes up after I mention. That Fire Emblem Awakening is about thirty to forty bucks. Still, worth it's a it. Nintendo release. Ev- it, it's it not going to go right. It's going to hold its. It's value. not going to go down. It's yeah. like Mario. So stop waiting. Go out and get your copy today and play it as soon as you have a chance. Now the music comes and then the final lap. is the final lap. We wrap up the show by sharing our thoughts, telling you what we're playing, reading your comments, going over retro news, and oh, so much more. Uh, you know, if you haven't been over to rpgamer.com, you need to head over there because we always have lots of cool and fun and interesting things going on. Uh, we cover lots of different role-playing games, and we even do a lot of retro reviews and the such. But this week, I want to focus on a retro poll. Mr. Mickey, I understand that uh, that you posted a poll, and it got some very interesting results. Yeah, I, this poll ran a little longer than most of the ones that have been going recently, but I don't know, my, my computer died. That helped explain it. Okay, here we go. Courtesy of our readers, we now know that Dragon Quest VIII is the most beloved of the series. Well, we should set the stage, Mike. The, the poll question was... Which is your favorite Dragon Quest? Right, and there's nine of those for the for, for people who may not know. Well, One through nine. I, I asked. Uh, ten was left off for the, the reason that you can't play it outside of Japan. and I think we might have had about five people who have played it in Japan. If we try. Anyway. Yes, so Dragon Quest VIII tops the poll. Dragon Quest VII comes in under that. Apparently that is the second most beloved Dragon Quest by according to our voters. Four is the third most. I still think that's mainly because people are just still longing for the 3DS that we're not getting. <laughs> we, we can hope so. We can hope. Four, yeah, I can see that. Five, yeah, I can also see that even more with with five. Mm-hmm. Then there's then comes nine, then comes three, then comes six, then comes one, and bringing up the the very rear with a total of eleven votes out of one thousand five hundred eighty four. Dragon Quest two. I just played that at the beginning of the year, and I didn't hate it. 
Nah, nah. But uh, I, you know, I will tell you, fact. Just, just, just do it. If you're going to play, yep. t- just buckle it down, suck it up, and deal with it. You're going to get about halfway through. You're going to need Mr. Mm-hmm. Fact. Um, oh, I had it open the whole time. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> or, or yeah, even start off <laughs> from the beginning and save yourself a little more time. Um, so what's really cool over at board.rpgamer.com is we had a really great conversation going back and forth about some of our favorite Dragon Quest games and the such. Join in. Go over to board.rpgamer.com and converse with us. We'd love to chit-chat about role-playing games from the way back when... Actually, we are, are talk you about sure, the Phil? Present do, ones. do you know who's been leading the conversation on this topic okay, since the you know, ended? No, I wouldn't know, Mike, because I have certain <laughs> people on Ignore It. Thank you very much. Yeah. I just well, all, all I know is that half the post said ignored, ignored, ignored. No, I'm just uh, all right. Maybe not half. Uh, anywho, so and I've been doing. I did a. I did a. I'm taking Aedas for a while, but I have been doing my own RPG trek through the Dragon Quest series. Got a little burned down on six. I will return to it one day. In the meantime, working on some tales of games. We'll talk about that a little bit later. While we're on the topic of our forums. We did have a uh, thread up for our last RPG backtrack, episode number 136, Shepard in the Right Stuff. We talked about the Mass Effect uh, trilogy. There's a comment by somebody named Cassandra Ramos. Who's she? Hmm. I don't know. She's, she seems unusual. Hmm. She made a comment about wishing she was on the show to talk about uh, Pokemon Black and White. You know what? Did you know? Cassandra, that you too can gush about your favorite game on the RPG backtrack whenever you want. Did you know uh, you could do that? Yes. You can do that. You can do anybody can do that. Not just you, but anybody can do that. You can record an MP3 two to five minutes long and talking about your favorite game. I suggest you organize your thoughts a little bit first, take down a few notes, throw on the recorder, just record yourself and send it to me. I'll give you some intro, some outro music. I'll make it nice and pretty and get you right on the end of one of our shows. But Phil, you might say, that's that sounds like a lot of technical babble. How do I record MP3s, mail it to you? It's a lot of steps. That's okay. I got you covered too. Got a phone number set up. Get your pens and pencils ready. You can actually call. I don't know if this thing ever cuts you off. No one's ever complained if it does. But you can call. <laughs> like some voice recorders cut you off after a certain time limit. You can call and talk about your favorite game. And I can actually download that as an MP3 and put it right onto the end of the podcast. The number is 801-810-5597. If you're going to do that, make sure you start off by saying your name and that you got a segment for the RPG backtrack. So say that first. And then go into your gush. Talk about your favorite game. It helps if you start off mentioning the name of the game, the publisher, just like I do before all of our uh, games here on the backtrack. We'd love to hear where those uh, games were made and developed and all that other fun stuff. Um, so, yes, you too can gush. Of course, Cassandra, you're always welcome to talk about your favorite games anytime you want on the RPG backtrack, as long as they're at least two years old. <laughs> That's our criteria. So... Uh, we'll give you a chance to do that in just a second. Let me just see if there's anything else on there. You know, we'll give you a chance to do that right now, Miss Cassandra. Is there anything <laughs> you want to share with the audience today? There's <laughs> really a- no. I mean, there's really no need. As Sam pointed out, what I wanted to say in a con- in condensed form was said in the. Uh, you know, I should have loved you. Not about black and white, of course, but about the uh, the the newest generation X and Y, and how I felt it was a you know a sort of a letdown compared to what's still my favorite entries in the series. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, black and white, they're really good, and I wish Nintendo had continued that instead of, for some reason, taking a step back to Diamond and Pearl. I'm still baffled. At least in terms of story and characters. 
Hmm. Well, is there anything you want to talk about? Are you doing anything on the side? Are you playing any fun games mm-hmm. lately? This is the kitchen sink right. part of the show. Is there anything else you want to share? Uh, on the site, uh, not much. Just put up the occasional news story. I did recently beat a game that I probably spent a little like spent too like the, I spent too long on it. I guess uh, not so much that it's not a bad game, but it's um I would it's very hard to recommend it. It's called Baroque. It's another <laughs> yes. What? What's so funny? Broke. No, baroque. It's, it's broken. <laughs> well, no, I remember this. I remember the show because wasn't it? I forget who was on our show who really went off on this game. Wasn't it Glenn? I think it was Glenn, like way back in the day, because Glenn hasn't been on the show forever. Glenn likes a game, though. As I so maybe it was somebody else. I was. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Sandra. Anyway, it's uh, it's it was released on the PlayStation Two and the Wii. Though I think the Wii one's more readily available these days, and considered just a slightly better version. And uh, it's a it's a very strange game. It's a roguelike, but uh, just. So, you know, if you die, you kind of you have to start back from level one. But in this game, if you die, you can uh, un- you might be able to unlock new story paths or unlock new scenes or sometimes it's the only way to progress the game if you have to. It starts in a post-apocalyptic future. Something called the Blaze has ravaged the world and alt- like in sort of altered reality and what few humans are surviving cling onto what like sort like sort of crystallized versions of their uh of their personality and their hopes and dreams they're called baroques and if they cling too hard to them they might turn into monsters called meta beings and in this there's a strange tower and the the, uh, protagonist somehow like he just suddenly wakes up he can't talk and he has no memories but he feels strangely guilty and he meets uh this person who calls himself the archangel although his wings are apparently fake and he tells him that he's guilty because he's the one who caused the blaze. And if he wants to try to save the world, he has to go to the bottom of the tower called the Neuro Tower and uh, shoot what's down in the in the basement. And it's again, it's very strange. You have to. Uh, there's no boss fights. Oddly, there's a lot of monsters to fight on every floor. It's pretty tough if you play on anything above easy. And I had to play. It, I guess it defeats the purpose. It's a roguelike, but I could not get through the game on normal. Could not. Wow, that's that's saying something because you were just like a minute ago. You're like Fire Emblem. I eat it for breakfast, and you know it's it's my, you know it's easy. P. Oh my God, Baroque is hard. I'm weirdly I don't know. It's just subjective when it comes to difficulty. But I mean that it must be it must be pretty hard. Then is what I'm saying. Yes, it's it's pretty because hard. I don't have the patience to get through Fire Emblem. I can't imagine you know if it's harder for you to get through Broke. I'm just like Ugh. Uh, Baroque on anything on normal or harder. Uh, so you know, play on easy if you want to. If you're interested at all in this game, so yeah, it's just uh, you know, it's a real time system. We can also use various items to their effect, and uh, to so to progress the story, aside from occasionally dying, uh, it's you, you wouldn't like this very much, Bill. Like, there's some very obtuse ways to make the story, to make the tower get long, to make the tower go down farther, and thus get closer to ending the story I don't think you could figure it out without a fact it's just like uh, there's a character that asks for pure water you're just you, what is that until you look up and it turns out to be the main character's like, ess- like idea sephora essence and you have to do that by doing this ridiculously elaborated elaborate thing involving like killing other characters or showing them other objects I don't know how you could figure that out on your own without a fact oh oh Mike you heard that didn't you <laughs> I, I, mean, I think I think you just 
uttered one of Phil's trigger words. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you, yeah, if you want to play this game, you might, unless you're re- a lot better than figuring this stuff out than I am, but just like, I don't. But again, it's very interesting when you see that story unfold, like the truth behind the blaze, the truth behind what the group's been doing. Although, the way it's told, like, don't play this game like a, like a few hours every week. Play this, like, continuously, because that's what I, like, I played, like, maybe a few hours every week, and I, like, the story threads were kind of forgotten. I forgot various details. I was confused, and I had to kind of look up a summary to, like, oh, that's right, that character did say that back then. <laughs> to try to shed more light on it. There's also, I believe, a uh, there's like some extra material only in Japan that sheds a lot more light because the story's a little obtuse as well. Very interesting, but a little obtuse. So it's not a, it's uh, it's it's not an experience I'll forget. But I again, because of the difficulty on anything harder than normal, because of how strange it is, it's uh, can be kind of like the monsters are pretty grotesque, though it's not terribly violent or gore or anything, but they look pretty nasty. And also, of course, the whole, like, can you, I don't think you can figure it out without a fact thing. I couldn't recommend it, but I enjoyed it for what it was. With a fact. With a fact. <laughs> There's a lot of voice acting, which is decent, and the music was very forgettable. How would our world change? Seriously, how would our world change? This is like Kai Ratzis in a thread. But I wonder this sometimes. Like, if we didn't have a, if we didn't have facts, would, would that game for you <laughs> would have been like, like a few hours and you were like done? What the heck did I like? Yeah, exactly. It basically, you're just like, I, I keep, you know, basically, you go through the tower. After you finish one run, you start back from the uh, beginning outside of the tower at level one. And then, as you, if you do certain things, you unlock story sequences or conversations from the NPCs in the tower or even outside of the tower. So, yeah, if I had not looked up how to make it progress, I would have just kept going through and through and wondering, okay, when do I do anything else? Hmm. Uh, and around a bit of weirdness, the main character you, it used to be a conjoined twin. That just makes things weird. <laughs> er. Yeah. In fact, and... his guilt comes from unintentionally killing his brother because, like, he was the one who survived while his brother died. And the two somehow switched souls uh, during, depending on certain sequences. Very strange. I probably shouldn't I ne- say it. I never expected this to bring back memories of the dark half, a Stephen King movie, but there it is. It's uh, it's I I don't know if we call it a horror RPG, but it's definitely got some elements creepy. of that to it. Yeah, it's creepy. It's and grotesque, but, but not like in a bad grotesque way, but in a grotesque like oh wow kind of way. Hmm. So, uh, are you going to do a full review on that one? Uh, probably not. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> now planning on beating that one. <laughs> I beat it. I finished it. Oh, you did finish. I just don't... I mean, I don't know if I want to reveal the whole thing, like, right now. I, uh, but I guess only... I, I think only Glenn and I are the only ones on staff who've beaten the game. God, yeah, I'm about to say that. That's probably an achievement. RP Gamer Achievement Unlocked. <laughs> but we have two reviews on there, and mine would be about the same as theirs, so I see no reason to make another retro review. Fair enough. Anything else on your mind, on your heart? Uh, nope, just more Pokemon, more fantasy life. Not much different here. I should probably play something else other than games I can sink hundreds of hours into. Uh, okay. Uh, let's head on over to Mr. Cunningham. Yes, before I disconnect. <laughs> uh, Get you while the getting's good. Yeah, so, so what do you want to know? You want to interview me? You have some... some... Well, questions. this is the this is the final lap, so we'd like to hear. Are, have you done anything new on the on rpgamer.com lately? Maybe that you want everyone to know about. Maybe we're in the progress in the progress 
we're in the process of working through our best of 2014 awards. So oh, yeah. I, I think I contributed a little bit to that. Yeah. Uh, it's coming along quite nicely, just working on the blurbs and getting the pages and everything made. That's a really tedious process to go through is all the junk of getting everything written up and coordinated and all that stuff. So it should be up soon. Um, other than that, just enjoying some video games, playing my Vita and playing some... What are you playing uh, on the Vita? Oh. Don't right glaze. Now. Don't glaze. Jump in. This is a deep I, pool. Yeah, I'm playing a lot on Vita right now. What are you now. playing on the Vita? Um, let's see. I'm playing a little bit of Citizens of Earth. Just came out from Eden Industries. A little quirky RPG. How's that going oh, for you? Yes. Is it clicking with you? Wait, yeah. Is the Vita one more stable than the PC one that Adrian reviewed? No, they're all a little buggy, I'm afraid. Whoa, hmm. a buggy game on the Vita? You can do that? It, it's on, this one's buggy on every system. So... Um, still kind of fun though it's nice to be able to get in and you get a bunch of different citizens you play as the vice president of earth and you go around in kind of pokemon style collecting citizens you get them to join you by you know completing certain quests and you know you start out with just your mom and your brother as your two party members the the vice president doesn't actually fight in battles he's just kind of like the pokemon trainer almost and, you know, you get up to three citizens in your party, and none of them have an actual attack option. They have different options that, you know, vary depending upon their job class. So say you have the, um, you can get a, like your mom can ground enemies, which, you know, gives them like a little bit of a delay or stop. Um, she has a skill called Hug which will restore some of her hit points and some of the person she hugs hit points as well as um, clearing off all status effects. Um, you can get a baker, and the baker's kind of like a healer. Um, you can use a, a skill called donut, which restores some of your health. Um, it, it's just it's kind of neat, and it's just nice in a quirky little way. Um, I, I agree with Adrian's review completely. Not only has it been a little buggy at times, but there's a little too much combat at times, and it's near impossible to avoid a lot of the encounters that are on screen. And it just kind of gets uh, kind of gets a little long in the tooth after a while. So it, it's fun to play in bursts. I've put about five or six hours into it so far, and I'm enjoying trying to find all the different ways to collect the citizens. So that's been fun. Um, playing a little bit of that. Um, been jumping between a lot of stuff on Vita, but not all of it's really RPGs, so that's one of the only RPGs that I've been tackling on it right now. What what, what else are you... Because, you know, I, I'm the one who's, like, defending the Vita on this show, and so oh, yeah. I get letters like, Phil, you're the only one, really. Mike, oh, tell them how awesome the Vita I, is. I flipping love, love my... Um, but I'm playing a lot of the, the smaller indies people probably haven't even heard of. Um, I just finished up um, earlier in the year a game called Final Horizon. It was one of the free games that was on PS Plus during December, and it's fantastic. It's like a miniature uh, StarCraft. Um, That's a tower defense game, right? It It's not really tower defense as much as it is mini real-time strategy, which you could technically call tower defense games that, but it felt more like StarCraft in microbytes than it did a typical tower defense game. 
are you just building towers, or are you also building an army and sending it forth? You have different segments where you are not necessarily defending a tower, but you have you know different objectives where you can build certain units on certain plots of land, and each mission's kind of separate. You have, um, in some cases, you'll have enemies swarming you that you've got to create different things against, and sometimes you've got to just find a way to defeat all the enemies as fast as you can, and you get kill streaks that if you kill enough things, you can unleash aerial bomb or like orbital bombardments, and you know it kind of blurs the line between a real-time strategy game and a tower defense. It didn't feel like a, a tower defense games have always been boring to me. And this didn't feel like that. It's not, here's this wave, and here's this wave. No, you just have tiny little stages, kind of like, you know, it really did feel like a, you know, a cross between that and real-time strategy, but it was still a lot more contained. And I really like that. Uh, I've been playing Counter-Spy. Uh, another game that just came out that I'm downloading right now is uh, Grim Fandango Remastered. want to check that out shortly. So... Yeah, just all kinds of good stuff. Really enjoy it. Love my Vita. Vita is awesome. Um, you know, uh, I also talk a lot about the PSP being a good retro RPG uh, device. Yes. And um, so lately here, just a little little tangent, but uh, I had a I got a new cable internet provider, uh, and I had to get a new router to work with that. Well, funny enough, the PSP doesn't like the security on the new router because <laughs> uh, it's so old um, that it doesn't have the TPIK, whatever the hell it's called. So in order to get my Vita on the internet to, to download a program from the store, I had to take down the password protection and just have it open. <laughs> and oh. that worked. So at least for a few, you know, for like an hour, download it, then take it back off online. It's not like the PSP has got to stay online. Yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, love uh, love the Vita and the PSP, and a lot of the games uh, that I enjoy on the PSP are you know that I got through the PlayStation Store are also on the Vita. You know, they, mm-hmm. they got compatibility there. So, and you're allowed to download these things on uh, if you buy a game from the PlayStation Network Store, like let's say Final Fantasy Tactics, um, you can um, you can download on two devices. So even if you bought it for your PSP, you can still download on your Vita. So. Are you trying to tell Nintendo something, perhaps? Oh, yeah, don't even get nice. me! Oh, don't even get me started with Nintendo. Nintendo and the <clears throat> Wii U set. Anyway, uh, that's another tangent on tangent. Anything else you want to share with us, Mister Editor in Chief? No, that is it. Just stay tuned, and we'll have our awards up soon, or all that fun stuff. And that's and all at which website? RPGamer.com. That's right. Um, awesome. Let's see here. Do, 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 do. Um, we have somebody else on the show, don't we? Mr. Alex. Hello. What's up with you? What's up? Uh, it's 4 a.m., so. <laughs> you're up at 5 a.m.? You're up! That's what's up, you! Well, you say up, I'm actually in bed, but. Oh, okay, we're going to stop right there. We're just going to say, uh, maybe I should have changed my question. Uh, what are you playing? What are you doing on the side? <laughs> Anything you want to share with the audience that's role-playing game related directly? Not role-playing in bed, but like role-playing games. <laughs> um, I think what I've done site recently, it's mostly just been keeping up on news. I think the last major thing was the Tokyo Twilight Ghost Hunters interview we did with Axis. Uh, interview for for what game? Tokyo Twilight Ghost Hunters. What's it called? 
Tokyo to- Twilight Ghost Hunters. Ghost Hunters. Tokyo yep. Twilight Ghost Hunters. Who the hell comes up with these names? People from Japan. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, so, got an interview up on the site. You want to go check that? Is that, that and that's a role-playing game? Yeah. I, I guess so, it would be, uh, otherwise you would be talking about it. Oh, yeah, I think it's a <laughs> role-playing game, visual novel, investigative. Oh, 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 Yeah, so head over to RP Gamer and check that out, because that's awesome. What else? Um, I think, like, yeah, just been keeping up on news at the moment, sort of been writing stuff for the awards that, uh, Michael mentioned. Mm. Yep, we got lots of writing yeah. going on there. Yeah, I think that's mostly what I've been doing for the site recently. Gameplay-wise, one thing I bought recently was a Windows 8 tablet, which I've basically decided to use as a visual novel machine. So it, because that's it's a Windows probably 8. a better use of Windows 8 than many other things I can think of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was a. Re- I think it's about um, seventy pounds, seventy quid. To buy, so it's actually so it's a really cheap tablet, but for what it does, it's it's quite impressive for the price. But because it's because it's a Windows tablet, it has full access to Steam. So mm. I've basically just been loading all my Steam visual novels onto it and playing them. Cool. And, and yes, go ahead. And yeah, so as Michael is currently distracted by what Michael's saying in the chat, because he's extolling the virtues of Danganronpa, and will you entire... also extol those? I I can. Okay. Because it seems like Phil needs a little more selling on the subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I do my first awards for this year, Danganronpa 1 and 2 would both be in the top three. What, what, what did you say? What? What? Hold, hold on. I don't think I've had enough to drink yet. What did you say? <laughs> well, the two Danganronpa games this year are amongst my favorites of the year overall. Did he say Dokapon? No, what? he did not. I swear it's it sounded not like... by the same developer. It doesn't even have the same number of syllables. Okay, what what game are we talking about again? Danganronpa. Danganronpa. Oh God, what is it with you and these weird game names? I just okay. There are okay. some weird game names out there. Okay, yeah, and apparently I'm I'm like behind because I'm playing too many retro games and not paying attention up to the new releases. So so what is this game you speak of? Uh, it's sort of an adventure visual novel investigative game. So is the the premise is it's basically there's. A cl- this sort of a group of students who are trapped inside the school, and the only way to escape is to commit a perfect murder. Oh, interesting! Yeah, it's basically, awesome. Yeah, so the, you're basically tasked with solving the murders when they happen, and you end up with a class trial after each murder. And if you don't guess the sort of if the person who did it gets away with it, they get to go free, and everyone else dies. Yeah, but. Dang but if you guess it right, then amazing. the person who did the murder gets executed. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, if you enjoy adventure games of any sort, it's not heavy on the visual novel side of things. Whenever I think visual novel, I think tons and tons and walls of text. Um, yeah, it's not it's not got all the sort of descriptive stuff that a lot of visual novels yeah. do. <laughs> do, you, do you like Phoenix Wright? Have you played any of the Ace Attorney games? Fan of those? I have. Have you, Phil? Me personally, no, but Shirley's a huge fan. Like I haven't either, mm-hmm. but they they're very comparable from what I hear in this, you know in the kind of concept of things. So yeah, if you've got a Vita, Danganronpa is amazing. There's two of them. the The first one's called Trigger Happy Havoc. The second one's Danganronpa Two Goodbye Despair. 
uh, Trigger Happy Havoc is, was my game of the year last year. Like overall, out of everything I played last year, the best game. Yep. <laughs> huh. So definitely check it out. You know, and that's that's just the kind of experience you can only get on the Vita. Yeah. Yeah, ah. except on the PSP, because that's what it came out on to start Over, with. Oh, yeah, on the PSP, huh? But now it's actually been localized on Vita, because they remade oh. it. Oh, oh, but could you get it in English on the PSP? No. Okay, so Vita. Vita wins mm-hmm. again. All right. Go Vita, and that's just that's just a, that's like you know when I first got the Vita, I was thinking, you know, I got the Vita, it came with Assassin's Creed, and there was a lot of hype about uh, oh I got Uncharted and a couple of other things, and you're thinking this is going to be a major first party portable handheld, and instead it's really just become this haven for RPGs and niche Japanese games. It's just been awesome. Did mm-hmm. I mention Disgaea? Oh my gosh, Disgaea on the handheld, that's just wrong. Disgaea three and four. <sighs> put so many hours into that awesome what else Mr. Alex um uh, apart from that I think most of my gaming time has been devoted to Final Fantasy 14 awesome been playing a lot of that uh, unfortunately there's some sort of sad news coming from that recently that we lost one of the oh. RP oh. Gamer community members who sadly passed away yeah, I when I was in the when I was in the when I was in the Final Fantasy fourteen guild, we had chatted a few times. Uh, I don't remember, maybe he helped me out or something, but I remember talking with him. Um, and on the forums a couple of times too. So that yeah, yeah let's give a shout sad. out to Balance. Balance. Yeah, he showed up in forums, but he was, was very active in the Final Fantasy fourteen free company. I don't remember him talking a whole lot on the the forums, but whenever he did, he seemed genteel and a nice guy. Yeah, don't know any details to what happened, but we can pour out a potion for him. And what else? Uh, I think that's basically it at the moment. I'm sort of flitting between games, otherwise. Before uh, before I turn the mic over to Mike Miki, I'm looking at some ret- I like to go over some little bit of retro RPG news, um, which for the most part comes from GOG, but uh, there is a there is a Steam. A Steam uh, early access game out there that I saw recently released called Sanctuary RPG Black Edition. And uh, if you're bored, just check it out. Sanctuary RPG is all one word. And then uh, colon, space, black edition, two separate words there. And uh, if you say, if you beat on your test and go, I like my RPGs old school. Well, <laughs> yeah. This is for people this, who think that the Dark Spire was too modern, right? Yeah, yeah. This is yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is this is going really, really old school. Uh, I'm not personally backing this or anything like that, but in searching for news, this popped up, and the first thing I said it was, "Dang, this is really, really old school." Holy cow! It's using ASCII characters. It's it's that old school. So is it uh, ASCII or ASCII? I've always wondered. I've always pronounced it with the hard C. Uh, you know, kind of the K sound. So, and no one's ever, you know, back in the '80s, no one was correcting me on it. So, I'm pretty sure it's good. That's that's how I pronounce it. So that's good enough. Yeah, okay. there you go. All right, Alex. Alex has called it, and so there we go. Uh, on uh, on GOG, they recently uh, got some rights to some uh, Disney slash Star Wars games. Uh, I mean Disney because they have the rights to Star Wars. Anyways, uh, they've got to deal with Disney Interactive or whatever the hell it's called going on. So now. 
finally they got a hold of Knights of the Old Republic 2. Now, I'm a fan of Knights of the Old Republic both 1 and 2. Uh, I've got the disc. Now, Steam has had – what's interesting is that I think GOG had one and Steam had number two, and there wasn't a way to own both. I could be wrong on that, but I remember researching this before. Uh, now GOG has both. So if, if you want both games in one location and or want them DRM-free, Steam would be your place to go. Um, they've also got – and we've talked – we got an article about this at RP Gamer. Um Great! I just accidentally closed the window. Bad Phil. Uh, Av- oh, Mac. Avalon. What's it called? Avadon. Avadon. Avernum. Avernum Two. Crystal Souls. Which. So, <laughs> I almost went onto every forum and po- on the internet I could find and posted. Anyways, so Vernum 2 Crystal Souls was recently released. We've got an interview up on our own website about it. Now, there's not a lot of people following the Vernum series, but I'm one of those people. Um, it's made by uh, Spiderweb, uh, which is essentially a very, very, very small – we're talking like three-man group now. It started by one man uh, – Jeff Vogel or something like that. Really terrible with names. Anywho, uh, and he writes retro Ultima style RPGs, so that's why I have the interest. Um, and he started off in the in the I want to say the late nineties or so. Vogel, Vogel, as I say, Vogel just saw it here. Anywho, um, and they're they're pretty deep. I've I've bought them. I've played them uh, before. I've never actually taken the time to actually beat them, but they they, they take me back to uh, the days of like the Gold Box, uh, Dungeons Dragons games, and the Ultima games. Um, anyways, uh, Avernum is a series that's been released not once but twice. But this will actually be the third release, with each time with a slightly upgraded graphical interface uh, in the such and, and slightly uh, probably higher resolution. Um, I, I guess the one thing that made me just a little disappointed with them is nowhere do you actually find anywhere in the description of the text that this is simply a refresh of an older game. Uh, my understanding is there has been some like bug fixes and tweaking and on top of the graphical you know, change um, using slightly higher or whatever higher resolution and a different graphical overlay. Uh, there's some different graphics inside the game as well, different tiles. Um, but what's really funny is I can still find plenty of old graphics and look through the screenshots, which are really funny because the old graphics really do look like someone took a piece of paper and drew some of those things, um, you know, like out of high school. So yeah, I think supposedly this one's got a rewrite, but... Yeah, supposedly it's got a rewrite. Unless you're super familiar with the game, you would never know. But the funny thing is, is nowhere on any of the websites where this is being sold, like on GOG, I'm looking at GOG right now, does it mention, hey, this is actually a rewrite or whatever you want to call it, a port or a remake or whatever of the original Avernum 2, which has been sold through indie uh, indie bundles and GOG bundles and Steam bundles. And chances are, you if you're a fan of that type of genre anyways, you've already got this you've just got the older version um yeah we're paying okay, attention you, you might think it's a whole new we had. yeah yeah on a, either on the forums yeah, I think, or i think you and i had it on the yeah, forums or something yeah i think it was, it was apparent that it was a i think no i think it was in sort of a staff chat but i think it was apparent that it was a redoing of the original trilogy it just wasn't entirely sure how the second one sort of how how much of a redone it was or sort of if it was sort of everything start from scratch or is it just a yeah i just feel like <laughs> in the interest of fair disclosure that should be mentioned in the blurb uh and nowhere on the steam site um you know nowhere on the steam site on the gog site 
do do you actually see that this is a rewording or remake or what and there's nothing wrong with it being a remake but be honest about it the it's almost as if it's being presented as as a new series nowhere does it say this is a new series in the avernum universe but nowhere does it say this is actually a you know a a a remake or rewording or re anything of the old series uh, anywhere so I, I I don't know I, I don't uh, I'm not saying that the guy's intentionally trying to be deceitful but he's certainly not uh, giving full disclosure uh, on exactly what that is so I could see I I mean I have the Avernum series on GOG and it's just called Avernum the Complete Saga and then there's uh, Avernum Crystal Souls this is Avernum Two Crystal Souls you know if I was confused I might go ahead and just buy this without realizing I yeah anyways um, with that being said I, I do like the guy and I generally support what he does so um and then last but not least is Lords of Zulima Deluxe Edition on GOG now this isn't a retro game as much as it's a uh, retro style RPG um, kind of reminding me like the Divinity games and the such um, it, you know and the fact that it's bringing back the uh, Baldur's Gate or the old style RPGs when you're when you're going from place to place it kind of looks like Baldur's Gate you see pictures of the characters on the side the, the little portraits with their health points and mana and you're walking from place to place but when you get into combat it looks like an old might and magic game with the pictures of the monsters right in front of you the health bars and the mana bars and the pictures of your party members at the bottom very very much like a might and magic game and then on the right side you have a turn order based on initiative and the speed and the such I've watched a couple of let's plays of this looks pretty interesting uh, but it does look like just based on less plays <laughs> that it's also uh, pretty tough. I would love to hear if anyone's actually played this. Uh, it is getting pretty good uh, reviews so far on GOG. Uh, 53 votes at 4.5 uh, stars from the users. Uh, but uh, I would love to hear someone who's actually put some serious hours into this. Um, a couple of times I've looked into some early reviews and are like, I played this game for 10 hours. I'm like, eh, okay, I'm stopping the review right here because that hardly makes you an expert. Uh, that's why I like That's RP still Gamer better reviews. than IGN often does. Oh, jeez, right? That's why we like reviews at rpgamer.com because we play the games to completion. Um, yes. some, sometimes at our own risk. <laughs> yeah, the person you want to talk to about this on staff is Glenn. Uh, Glenn's working on it. Uh, Glenn's been playing it. I'm not sure working on it first, but I think it, it it sounds like he's been having fun with the game, but it seems to be quite slow in terms of sort of progressing through it. So ah, so well, yeah, I think what said is they sort of expect supposed to be like an eighty to hundred hour game. So how was it? Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I just I... did one of those. It was called a certain Dragon Quest. Well, yeah, and I, you know, I'm playing, uh, I'll talk about it in just a minute. Uh, <laughs> brings me to another game that I'm playing, but I'll, I'll wait on that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, well, we'll definitely want to see Glenn's reviews. I would definitely say wait for Glenn's reviews or some reviews from people who've actually played the entire game, boys and girls, before you buy this, because the asking price on this is a full $30 for the deluxe edition, uh, $20 or so, I think, for the normal edition. Uh, I think the deluxe edition uh has some you know has a guidebook and a few other things so anywho uh i would hold off anyways uh until a sale or until you get some full reviews on that one doesn't look like an immediate slam dunk all right uh so i think that's it for my retro news mr minky what's on your plate uh, this week uh well you mentioned avernum 2 i will start playing that shortly you, you know when you get a new computer there are a lot of things you have to do with it and while it would have been nice to immediately start playing the thing, uh, there were a few other things that I had to start doing with it. But soon enough, I will know for myself what the Spiderweb software experience is like. 
Otherwise, I I continue to play Ephemeral Fantasia because I like mystifying myself, apparently. <laughs> yeah, you know, you would love this game, Phil, because if you do not use a fact, you will literally have no idea what the hell you're doing. Like Baroque. It might even be more obtuse than Baroque. Wow, that's, got to, that's quite challenging, actually. Well, it has a good idea. Let's take Groundhog Day and make it into an RPG. The same days repeat over and over until you figure out how to get them, how to get through it. Only, that's not your typical RPG goal now, is it? To get out of a time loop. That's the whole goal. And if you don't know where to be or what to do when you get there, you're just going to be wandering around and watching the clock tick by and going, I have no idea. Is that Majora's Mask? That sounds like Majora's (laughs) Mask. It might have been influenced by Majora's Mask. That was a whole six months or so earlier than this. Um, honestly, the dialogue is not particularly well translated, so I amuse myself by imagining that it is being spoken in bad kung fu dub. Ha, 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 is actual dialogue. Or, no, text. There is no speech in the game. For the best, I'm sure. Mm, yeah, most... You'd think a game with a musician who has a talking guitar with a gigantic eyeball over, over its center would have a more interesting dialogue stream, or that characters who see this talking guitar with the giant eyeball in the center might, you know, have a few more things to say about that. Wow, that was surprising. And then shut up forever about it. <laughs> uh, but I, I still think the options menu had some really catchy, a really catchy dance tune. Ah. Uh, uh, and I will soon have a review up for what is, I think, the worst Dragon Ball Z RPG I've played, and that's saying a lot. Harukanaru Densetsu. You know, it's it's kind of like a board game. You go through stages, you have no opportunity to save in the middle of them. You, whether you can do anything in a battle is determined by whether your cards beat the enemies. And you get to fight things over and over and over again. And you get to do it with multiple people, because that's fun. You know, it's so much fun to fight the first two forms of Frieza with Gohan, and then fight the first two forms of Frieza with Piccolo, and then fight the first two forms of Frieza with Vegeta. There's so much different each time. Uh, And you can't even skip the text when you go back to missions to replay them, because... As usual, levels mean a lot, and if you get hit by a strong level enemy, then you're probably going to lose half your life. While if you hit him, you'll do maybe 2% damage until you level. I I just finished Vegeta's scenario, which got me credits, and I suppose that means I could review it right now because I got credits. I finished somebody's storyline, but it involved fighting Cell five times. That was... And each fight was pretty much the same. It... Ugh... It also has one of the worst music themes I've ever heard for when you fight androids. It sounds like white noise generated by Lou Reed when he was in his 70s avant-garde phase or something. Anyway, soon I will be done with it and play something else on the 3DS, which will almost certainly be better than this. Uh, yeah, it's... it's oh, so it's really long, too. I swear I haven't looked at the clock in a while because I've just gone back to old missions replayed for grinding purposes, but I swear I put 50 hours in. Legacy of Goku was bad, but at least you could breeze through it in about four hours. Uh, and I'll give a shout-out to Black Sheep, which is not the Chris Farley movie. 
It is a fun little treat from New Zealand with a cover that says, There are 40 million sheep in and they're pissed! Okay. Sounds like a serious movie. Oh, it is very serious. As everyone knows, if you take a sheep, or what looks like a, a newborn lamb, whatever, from a biological hazard test tube that is smashed open, it will, of course, be alive, and it will bite your earlobe, and, it will, and that will slowly transform you into some kind of a were-sheep. This is just common knowledge. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And as it bites other sheep, those sheep will gradually turn into flesh eaters that will, well, since this is New Zealand and sheep are everywhere, they will need to staunch their hunger some way, preferably by way of humans. I can't, honestly, it's a lot of fun. I can't say it's necessarily scary unless seeing somebody who's turning into a were-sheep frightens you to the core, but it's got a sense of humor. It uses practical effects instead of silly-looking CG to make things look better, and the characters are kind of nice. They're they're not blockheads you immediately root for the utter destruction of, which in the horror genre is a rare thing. And I also saw Selma last weekend, which was strangely appropriate to watch a movie about Martin Luther King leading a civil rights march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama over a weekend with Martin Luther King holiday. Though I know Alex doesn't get to partake in that. No, it did take a while to remember, realize why no staff members were not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm sorry that Martin Luther King has not become a holiday in the UK. Maybe someday. Well, we've got our random bank holidays. So. <laughs> well, if they're only for banks and for no one else, then what good do they do? No, oh, no, they're for everyone. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I would suggest seeing Selma because it chronicles an era that we that honestly wasn't that long ago, but feels like a completely different world when white people in certain parts of the United States would gleefully beat up black people because they did the wrong thing. Although some would argue that we haven't moved that far beyond it, but that gets into stuff that we really don't want to talk this show. Um, that's about all I got for now. Hmm. Can't wait to see you tackle a spiderweb game. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be a breeze. I'm sure I'll zip right through it. <laughs> and we never saw Mike again. Uh, yeah. Hmm. So, uh, I've I've been pretty busy. I've been on um, I've been on vacation this week, but there was a lot of stuff to do around the house. Um, I have been getting a little bit more into my drawings again. So, if you're super bored and you want to see what I'm drawing, you can see that at jcservant.deviantart.com. Lots of really great drawings at DeviantArt. If you've never been there, it's a great, great resource. Um, you know, I do a lot of pen and paper uh, role playing. And sometimes we need images for the NPCs or the player characters or the such. We'll head over to DeviantArt, put in a search for what we're looking for, and, you know, whether it's a wily gnome or, you know, a, an elven bard or whatever, and there's there's tons of very beautiful pictures that these young people have done uh, right over there. I wish my art looked that good. Uh, I do something a lot more Saturday morning cartoony. Uh, anywho, uh, so I, I did a few drawings this week. Uh, as far as gaming goes, been playing some more Tales of Fantasia, which I'll eventually get around to talking about one day uh, as part of our RPG trek. We're taking a little side path while we take a break from Dragon Quest. Um, and so I mentioned last week about all those games I bought. The one that I've actually been putting the most time to on that one is uh, – I don't know if I actually mentioned it though or not. I don't know if I mentioned I got Demon Gaze. 
Oh well, I forget what I said and what I didn't say. Uh, but uh, Demon Gaze is a is a Vita dungeon crawler RPG, and I was kind of looking for a, a dungeon crawler that uh, after Strange Journey <laughs> that uh, that wasn't going to kill me with its uh, punishing uh, difficulty and the such. So far, it's okay, but I've only put maybe half a dozen hours in. Uh, definitely feels a little grindy, but going back to our comments about that other game. Jeez, now I forgot what the other game was called. We were talking about that Glenn was reviewing. Um, boo. Uh, I forgot too. Lords, oh, Lords of Zulmi. Zulima. Zulma. Uh, the thing is, yeah, a lot of these old school, I mean, the old school games were, were pretty were pretty grindy. It wasn't unusual for us uh, back in the 80s and such when we were playing these games to spend hours and hours, you know, spend entire nights just grinding up a couple levels and, and thinking we had gotten somewhere. Uh, of course, everyone's, uh, for the most part, uh, those of us who are playing these these retro-style games are much older, right? I, I'm, I'm pretty much guessing that we're the target audience and not people who are 20 years old right now who are more into Mass Effect type of RPGs. Uh, but, but the funny thing is we don't have nearly as much free time as we used to. Uh, even if we did, we've got a lot more things demanding that free time than we did when we were you know, back in the 80s. So... The one thing that Demon Gaze does right, it's an old school uh, dungeon crawler, and it does have that whole grindy thing built into it, but it's super fast. All you have to do is hold down the button, and the combat goes so quickly. So if you're just fighting a bunch of goblins that you know you're going to steamroll past, uh, you're going to lawful stop or whatever have you, just hold down the button. The, the battle will be over in like three seconds. Uh, at the end of every round, you can press the button to do what you did last round, which is pretty much attack all. And you watch them die quickly. So, whereas in watching some of the Let's Plays of Lords of Zulama, uh, I don't know if the guy just wasn't using that option or if it wasn't present, but it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't. But yeah, that's definitely a game where if they don't have that zippy fast forward button, you can see some of those battles being drawn out. Uh, you know, so many battles being drawn out that it takes a lot more time than it should. Uh, it doesn't help, though, that at least in watching the Let's Plays, a lot of those battles are super deadly, whereas with uh, with Demon Gaze, I've actually, uh, there's an NPC that will actually change the difficulty level of the game for for you. Uh, if you want to make them, I'm presuming I'm getting more experience in gold and such. I haven't actually sat down and wrote numbers down, but uh, uh, I went and bumped it up to hard uh, while I'm doing some of that uh, grindy grindy because I was just you know, lawful stomping past everything uh, so easily. So uh, in that game, it looked like y even if that option was there, I'm not super sure I'd take it too often because it looked like the poor guy was struggling to survive. So, yeah. If you're looking for a really tough game, that that might be the one. Uh, so that's uh, that's what, other than uh, the occasional Clash of Clan conflict uh, that's what I've been pretty much doing did a little Class of Heroes I tried out the I mentioned last week I got the the Class of Heroes 2 2, uh, 2G I should say for PlayStation 3 which has the capability of using your Vita or your PSP as a second monitor uh, second screen so you can see their character stats and stuff and you can see a map of the dungeon as you're going through it on that second screen uh, the way it works in Etrian Austin with a bomb screen the way that I hope one day will work with the Wii U um, you know that particular experience I'm not talking about the game as a whole but just I wanted to see what that second screen experience would be like using the Vita or the PSP uh, as a complete you know second sub sub screen menu 
it was a little mixed. Interestingly enough, even though Class of Heroes doesn't quite use cutting-edge 3D graphics by any stretch of the imagination, uh, it seemed to me that the PlayStation 3 was struggling to keep up with two different outputs at the same time. It just wasn't as responsive uh, when using... It's possible, I suppose, that my router, because you know, it's relying on your home network to do all that communication. So I'm not gonna just say it's the developers or something didn't didn't quite get the netcode um optimized. It could be on my end for all I know. Uh, but uh, eventually, while it was cool uh, on some respects, eventually I just ended up turning it off to play the game normally because it just. There was a bit of a delay there, uh, and it was just slowing the game down. So, mm. um, but it but uh, it does look you know it does look nice on the television after playing Class of Heroes on my PSP, going to a PS3 experience with the, you know pretty much the same series of games, and it all looks pretty much the same. Uh, the, the graphics did not change much between Class of Heroes one and two. Uh, it has changed under the hood, from what I understood. <laughs> yeah. Same anime character. Well, no, actually, you got a little more. Uh, you got a little more. Uh, uh, one thing I did notice right off the bat: when you go to make a character in Class of Heroes 2G, you get a lot more uh, options for how your character looks. In Class of Heroes 1, if you you basically got each race one uh, two genders for each race, and, and there was no variation in how they looked. So in this one, uh, you can actually pick from a whole bunch of different looks. So that's pretty cool because in my in my Classic Heroes one run through, uh, I've got two. I forget what the hell they're called. It starts with an E. It's a weird race. And uh, anywho, uh, I couldn't make them the same. Espers? No, silly. No. <laughs> Go Google it. I don't know. Einhanders or something. Who knows? They got blue hair. Einhander. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna call it Einhander. <laughs> Um, Go for it. Yeah, why not? Uh, but if I had made them the same gender, they would have looked like twins, even though they were completely different classes and whatever. Uh, so I made them different genders just so they wouldn't look the same. Um, yeah. What's really funny about Class of Heroes is – I might have mentioned this before, but it's basically – you know, they inherited the Wizardry series, right? It's the Wizardry mechanics. It looks super cute, but it's Wizardry mechanics underneath the hood. Well – it's pretty funny because they've taken those classic wizardry slash D&D races like dwarves, but they've animized them, you know, anime, animized, whatever. And so the dwarves just like look like furry, furry people, I, I, furry anime people. It, it's I, I don't know where they got the feeling that dwarves were just super almost uh, a- anamorphic, but yeah. <laughs> Anywho, um, it, it's still the uh, same old – uh, same old wizardry experience. That's that's for sure. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, I haven't put enough time into it to speak um, about two G's uh, mechanical differences and improvements. Uh, my understanding is that it's made a host of improvements since the first game, and even made some improvements on the original Class of Heroes two, which you can pretty much only get. Uh, that's a PSP release, but you can pretty much only get that through the PlayStation Network store nowadays. So. Wasn't that also the subject of a limited release by Gaijin Works? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you could probably find, you could probably hunt down a disc, but I'm going to guess, I'm going to take a look now, but I'm going to guess that it'll cost you an arm and a leg to hunt down a physical copy. Um, I looked before a few times, and it wasn't in the area that of uh, what I was willing to play, pay. Uh, not in, st- here we go. Uh, we got four, oh, that's 2G. 
oh my gosh, people have already bought up the 2G copies and are reselling them on eBay, the one that I bought from the uh, Canada store. <laughs> there's somebody there's somebody here who's selling a copy for 230 freaking dollars. Oh, Does it have any bids? Come on. Really? It's a buy it now. What is wrong with people? You know, this is what – seriously, people like this give our hobby the ba- a bad name. You know, I mean, buy the game, limited release copy number 003. Really? Are these things really numbered? I'm going to go get my copy and see if it's numbered. Uh, I, I do know that they limited uh, – that they uh, that they made 2,500 copies. That's what the, it said uh, somewhere on a blog or a website or something along those lines. I, I know it was a very limited uh, physical release because you can, buy, you can buy it. Oh, he's got a hologram on the back. That's what he's showing, a picture of a hologram that says number – does mine have a hologram? Now I want to go see if mine has a hologram. Now, I want to know what number I have. I hey Mike, talk for a second. I'm gonna go find my my box for a second. Okay, I need to talk about something. Um, okay. Uh, okay, another movie then. How's that? I guess. How about Miami Connection? And with the immortal line, "They will never escape the Miami Ninja." Okay, I'm back. So I'm, I'm okay. So he's showing the back of the box, and he's got. A hologram that says game I, I can't make out that second word and then it says coh2 and it's it's definitely the back of the box where the dragon's wing is at it's a partial picture but on the back of my box there is no hologram limited release number three i i, I was was there a separate no he has no other details I can't believe they did, like, the regular release and then a separate limited. It was all limited. I wonder if this is some sort of scam. Evil. Anyways, if you bought the physical copy, it did come with a... It it does come with a very nice, thick, color instruction book. Which, for a game like this, you want a big, thick, color instruction book. Unless you like looking through black and white facts. Because uh, this is definitely one of those games you just don't jump into. Uh, you need to know a little bit about you know how the races get along together, um, and uh, a couple of beginning tips. Uh, there is a little bit of a tutorial and stuff in there in the game itself, but it really helps to have some of the details in a written format. So and it's really pretty and well done. So if you can find a copy, hunt that down. <sighs> what is wrong with people? Bad people. I wonder if they got the P. Here we go. PSP. Let's see if we can find the PSP edition. Uh, Class of Heroes 2 with certificate, brand new, seventy four dollars, seventy dollars, one hundred and twenty dollars. Um, here's somebody selling a Class of Heroes 2 PlayStation Portable PSP Vita PSN code game voucher card for only six bucks. So yeah, if you want the PSP edition, you're probably gonna get it electronically. I don't know if that codes in even or not. I would just probably buy it off the PlayStation Work Store. 990% rating. Who knows? Out of how many total ratings? 432. Would you do it, Mike? Mm, $6.40 $6. free shipping. And he's going to send the... I guess he's going to send the code post. You think he just email? Class of Heroes 2 PSP PSN voucher card. There is no physical UMD or disc. A physical card will be shipped. See second picture for card. It has a sticker with a PSN code. Yeah, that's kind of tempting. Six bucks. Just to have the PlayStation Portable version, huh? Anywho, uh, and uh, I mentioned earlier the Lucasfilm slash Star Wars slash Disney whatever sale that's going on. Uh, you know, GOG got a whole bunch of games. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic uh, Two was the only RPG release, but uh, they got a whole bunch of other games. Did if you're Lucas Arts, make all the Monkey Island games among others. 
Yeah, yeah, maybe they'll get some monkey. Uh, let me see if they have monkey. They have. They, they usually have Monkey Island games. I think they've already had those. Okay, then. Tales that of just Monkey a Island. Whole bunch of Star Wars games. Yeah, Tales of Monkey Island and Secret of Monkey Islands uh, on there. Yeah, they got like Rogue Squadron, X Wing Alliance, uh, X Wing versus Tie Fighter, Star Wars Rebellion. A lot of these games were never available. What about Star Wars Chess? Yeah, no, not that one. A lot of these games were not uh, were not available before electronically, either uh, either through Steam or any of those other guys. One uh, one that uh, one that I was um, uh, particularly fond of, or whatever I grew up was uh, Star Wars. I believe it was Galactic. Uh, no, it's not Empires of War. That's uh, that's the one that kind of looks like Galactic Battleground. Uh, and uh, and then it came out with an expansion, and then they re-released the two, the game and the expansion together. It's just Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds Saga. This was released back in uh, November two thousand and one. It's a real time strategy game, and what's really hilarious is if you're familiar with the older real time strategy games like Age of Empires two, you start playing this game, you'll instantly recognize it. It's Age of Empires two with a different skinning. <laughs> it's just it's the same. It's just got people with pistols instead of bows and arrows uh and you're flying spacecraft because you'll you know eventually be able to build flying things uh i forget exactly how they deal with that in the game but it's they're pretty much tied to the ground it's not like there's a lot of 3d graphics going on there um it's hilarious you you even recognize the berries i'm looking at a screenshot you even recognize the berries from age of empires it's it's just freaking hilarious uh it's a reskin but i i had fun with the game uh back in the day um is absolutely hilarious and uh i have the disc i've kept them for years and i go back and play it every once in a while but now you can own both the original game with his expansion for a grand total of six dollars through gog or uh, wait for the inevitable sale where they'll have it for half price uh so i, I recommend that one if you're f- if you're a fan of real-time strategy games and star wars um uh, yeah you, you you know it's cute there's also empire war gold uh gold which is another kind of real-time strategy, and that one features 3D graphics and actually fe- features some space fights and the such. Uh, and it did it did pretty well. I only played a little bit uh, of it though, so I can't speak um, as far as how good its gameplay is and the such. But I remember it reviewed pretty well um, and whatever. So yeah. Alrighty. Well, I think that's all we have for this week, Mister Minky. I guess we should read the fine print, right? Well, it's probably that time. Yeah. Oh, wait, you know, we didn't say what was coming up next. It's something you can talk about. It's, it's, yeah. What's, what's, <laughs> well, I could if my computer would load up faster. Uh, let's see here. RPG, backtrack. Borderlands. Border, oh, re- oh, oh, I'm the wrong person. No, no, you don't want me on that show. You you can host that one. Oh, no. Really? Just me and Scott? Oh, no, that's not... That's No, that's a recipe for disaster. Are, are you telling me to play it beforehand? Yeah, on your... To test out this new machine new see machine. If handle Borderlands? Get, get through Borderlands. There you go. Uh, and we couldn't cover both in one show? I don't remember the story being that deep. <laughs> I just... I don't know. I don't... I just... Okay. So, anyways, Borderlands. Uh, Backtrack number 138, Over the Borderline. It's either going to be a really short show... Or uh, or something. Anyways, uh, that is next, uh, where you're going to hear uh, Scott and I either become best buds over over this game or at each other's throats. So that will be interesting. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, I know I don't play the way it's meant to be played. All right, so you'll want to hang on for that. Uh, let's see here. I just want to remind everybody 
That RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards at uh, at our at board.rpgamer.com. You can also email me directly at jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com or my good friend Mr. Miki is at albertodyssey at hotmail.com and help shape our future shows. Uh, you can follow us at twitter.com forward slash rpgamer. I'm at jcservant. Mike is at jumaysin. And uh, you can become our biggest fans at facebook.com forward slash rpgamer. Uh, as always, listen to all of our previous podcasts as well as our other sister shows, the RPG Cast, which goes over more recent RPG news and MMOs from what I hear, and uh, the Active Topical Banner, where they talk about all kinds of gaming topics. And, uh, and it's a much shorter format. And all of that is at rpgamer.com, found on the left-hand link where it says podcast, or on you, you know, use iTunes. Yeah, and leave five-star ratings. Uh, Miss Cassandra, Mr. Alex, appreciate y'all being on the show tonight. Okay. Had a good time as always. Mr. Minky, put us to bed. Uh, we dealt with Operation Rainfall tonight, but only part of it. Someday in the future, we will deal with the rest.
Flying to the stars, you can.